you're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ha! Got him! That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on Ahsoka, Jedi Survivor, Star Wars Outlaws, uh, new Star Wars movies, all the awesome and exciting Star Wars projects we've got coming up. Um, as always, I'm your host, Kyle. I've got my co-host, Tim and Paul with me again. We got the whole gang back together for this one. So, uh, Tim, Paul, how's it going guys? It's going great. I mean, it's kind of quiet right now in terms of like getting Star Wars content, like new TV shows or games since uh, Jedi survivor, but, um, we know more stuff's on the horizon, but boy, June has been a pretty awesome month for Star Wars for for me, I gotta say, <laughs> we'll get into that later. But man, the it just the exciting times of being a Star Wars fan is just hasn't let up. So the best is still yet to come. I feel too by the time we get to the end of this year. So yeah, just a lot more great stuff to talk about. Yeah, it it feels good to be back. It's been you know I I'm ashamed to say I'm not very far in Survivor still. I'm only on Jetta. I literally just got there, and uh, it's a. Uh, it's a bummer, but we talked about we talked about this before that we recorded that and Timmy brought up a great point. I don't want to just plow through. I could plow through it if I wanted to, but I want to sit and really enjoy and immerse myself in the story. So um yeah, it, it's just a bummer. But yeah, like I feel like this is a little bit of a calm before a massive storm we're gonna be getting, I think, with Ahsoka about to come out. And I think that with hopefully with the writer's strike eventually ending and that you know coming to a head and like and everything i know the directors i think are might be striking too so which we're going to talk about a little bit what the result of that is here in a second but uh yeah it's it's great to be back i miss you guys like crazy but i'm i'm, I'm just wish i could be farther in survivor i just think it's just hunker down one day one night and just get through a bunch of it but i finally got to the twist though i avoided trailers for a reason and i, I finally found nice. out what that guy in the water was all about which is awesome no. So that when, was, that was, it, when you said I got to the twist, and I'm like, but you're only on Jetta. So well, that that is, was for me. I, I stayed away from spoilers, so I have no is, idea. There is much more to come, my friend. So oh, I, I can't wait. Oh, I I, um, I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah, but uh, yeah, look forward to hearing your full thoughts on the game uh once you do finish it. I'm actually in my second playthrough already and was playing some just before we got on here tonight. Um, yeah, I finished I finished it the first time. 
got 100%, got the Platinum Trophy, all that, then moved on to play God of War Ragnarok, which I'm enjoying a lot so far. It's a great game, but I'm like a few hours into it and just kept thinking, man, I got to hurry up and get through this so I can play through Survivor again because I kept thinking about the story and the characters and just wanting to experience it all again. So I was like, you know what? If that's what I really want, I'm just going to go play Jedi Survivor again, get that out of my system, and then go back to God of War when I can enjoy (laughs) it and just focus on that. So, um, yeah, Do not deny what the heart wants. Yeah, yeah. And I've been having a blast with it. Um, Gosh, just the story is so good. That game's so much fun to play. I've been messing around with the photo mode a lot on on my second playthrough and taking some cool screenshots and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And, you know, I mean, we're talking about Survivor right off the bat here, but we are going to kind of focus on some video game stuff in this episode. Um, First of all, kind of the maybe the biggest Star Wars news over the last couple of weeks is we got a new video game announced. Um, that's going to be coming out next year. And so we'll talk about the trailer and the gameplay footage and all that. Um, And then also at the end of this episode, I'm going to put the audio from another one of our panels with uh, Jason that Tim and I did at uh, Phoenix Fan Fusion. Um, And it'll be our one where we talked about Jedi Survivor and the upcoming Star Wars games. Um, So kind of more of a, a gaming focused episode. But before we get into all the gaming stuff, there are a couple uh movie related items that we want to talk about. First of which being that we did also get new release dates announced for the upcoming Star Wars films. Um, And this was interesting because, like you said, Paul, this initially came about as kind of some stuff getting delayed due to the writer's strike and Disney having to kind of shuffle their schedule around, uh, push back a lot of release dates. And so, um, you know, just recently within the past week or so, they announced sort of a revamped slate of their upcoming stuff. Um, with a, a lot of delays on it, but as sort of a, a side effect of this is like we got new release dates for these Star Wars movies that we didn't have dates attached to um, so far. And they didn't announce dates for the specific movies, um, but they did announce release dates for these um, just for you know untitled Star Wars projects, but we know which three movies are coming up. Um, but they announced that uh, there's going to be a Star Wars movie coming out May 22nd of 2026, as well as December 18th of 2026. Um, and then, so that was the first thing I saw that was sort of part of like just the the first like main wave of announcements that they made. And they also announced a bunch of, you know, changed release dates for like the Avatar sequels and MCU movies and stuff like that. Um, but then a little bit later in the day, I started seeing a lot of reports that there had also been another Star Wars movie announced for December of 2027. Um, I haven't been able to find anywhere like where that was actually confirmed or seen it in like the official Disney report or something like that. But I've seen a lot of sites picking that up and running with it. So if that is in fact true, um, then we'd be getting three Star Wars movies within like a span of a year and a half. Um, Which would be pretty cool if it does end up happening. Now, obviously we know when we're this far out, you know, these, all this stuff is like three years away at least. Um, and we know how they've been with sticking to release dates. And, you know, I'm hope I'm just hoping that like of the, the three big movies that they announced at celebration, I'm just hoping that they all happen. I'll be surprised if they all stick to these release dates. Um, but if they do, it'll be interesting to see how everything goes, especially in 2026 with there being two movies. Um, obviously they, you know, tried that with Last Jedi and Solo coming out six months apart, and that didn't go very well. Um, but I think there's a whole host of factors for why that didn't go well, and it's not just necessarily the timing. Um, so, you know, we'll see if uh, 
you know, maybe things go better the second time around. I think it's going to depend on what those movies are, uh, what else is coming out at the same time, how much sort of excitement they can generate for those projects. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But it's it, at least for me, it's cool to have, you know, just sort of a date in mind of when we can be looking forward to this stuff. Yeah. And I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I think we had expected that the the Ray movie was going to be the first one to come out and that it might be 2025. So that one's, I'm mean, assuming that's still the first one. If that's the one that's coming out in May of 2026, then that one's been pushed back a little bit. But then I assumed that the other two, you know, the, the Dave's, you know, heir to the empire movie, I'm saying in air quotes, cause that may or may not be the title. We don't know. Um, and then James Mangold's uh, Dawn of the Jedi movie. I expected that those would be coming out, you know, two years later and then two years after that. Um, so if we are getting one six months later and then one a year after that, you know, we're going to be getting all of these a lot closer together than I expected. And that's kind of cool because, um, you know, I'll be glad if we don't have to wait that long for all that stuff. I have a lot to talk about with this, actually, more than I thought. I'll keep it as short as I can here for you, Kyle, because I know we're trying to keep this not as like an eight hour episode. Um, <laughs> I, I would, you know, for those, you know, who are longtime listeners will know that I'm a big, big, big fan of Solo. I just rewatched it um, last week in pieces with my family. And I just I just love, love that movie so much. I love this that movie to death. And I, it's eerily similar to what's going on now with flash a little bit. I feel not one, not, not, you know, apples at apples or anything like that, but it's, it's a similar kind of thing where I think the movie's pretty good. And it just got a, like solo had a lot of things going against it that were, it was a perfect storm that made the, re what, it was a big reason why the movie, the movie itself wasn't successful. Now, I think the Flash is kind of similar, and it's just weird to see that happen now. Uh, that's just again what my opinion is of the, of the movie. I love the Flash, but that being said, this whole Star Wars, you know, six months release date thing—that's why I brought that up. Because I think that I've said before, back th back then, I keep saying that Solo was a perfect storm of reasons why it wasn't successful at the box office, and I think. All those things kind of all contributed to it wasn't one glaring thing. I think the reaction to The Last Jedi online obviously was a successful movie financially. I'm not saying it wasn't, but The Last Jedi had a very mixed reaction in a lot of different places. Um, and some of those people who didn't like it were, were outspoken, and we all know the history of that. I don't want to get too deep into that, but you put in with the other problems with the directors, Ron Howard coming in, et cetera, et cetera. And then just a lot of weird. And then also when the movie came out, it was sandwiched between freaking uh, what Deadpool and Infinity War, two giant movies. I mean, Infinity War is one of the biggest movies of all time. I mean, there was just a lot of things going against Solo that led to the, the lackluster box office. Now, I only I only focus on block the, the status of blockbuster stuff just because of getting sequels and things like that. It's not this is not for. Uh, you know, I think this is a, a this means anything other than just one's more financially successful than the other, right? Um, I say all this to say I think the six month thing could still work, but it's got to be very they have to be tread very lightly and they have to be very confident. I say very confident because they were very confident in last Jedi, obviously, but wasn't exactly the reaction I think afterwards they were expecting necessarily. Whether you love it or hate it, um, it's just reality. Um, I, I don't know. That's the thing. If, if, if this movie that comes out before is really successful and kind of kicks everything back into the gear for star Wars movies, then they're going to be sitting pretty. 
The problem is, is that they, they, you know, this whole six month thing isn't out of necessity. It's not because they're confident in the products. And that's the problem, I think, is that it's not because like, oh, no, we're really confident in this movie. So we're going to put out six months later. It's we need to make a movie and get some money in here. And we need to make Star Wars because it's been a long time and we need to milk this mother effort as soon as we can. That's the impression that we're getting from this. And that's the pro at least in my opinion. And that's the problem. And I think that's where people know that. And they're going to be like, if they they kind of lukewarm on the, this movie that comes out the six months before, then it's going to be a real problem probably for this other film that's coming out six months later. And I, I, to be honest, guys, one thing I think the, I think honestly in the last couple of weeks and, and I know across the spider verse is doing pretty well. Um, but even the across the spider verse, the transformers movies flash now, Indiana Jones coming out. These movies have no room to breathe. And if there's one yeah. thing I've realized in the last couple of years is that the summer blockbuster is dead. You need to make a blockbuster year round. And Star Wars has proven you can have a blockbuster in Christmas. Aquaman proved that. Avatar has proven that. Um, you know, Black Panther and Deadpool have proven February works. And, you know, so there needs to be a rethinking of the model. And, and especially for theaters, theaters, go, you know, will want them to do these release these movies more spread apart. So, you know, what? I know we want to like try to like get on this whole summer thing. And I, I think it's overrated, to be honest. I think the summer thing was a little bit, you know, there's a little bit more uh, credence to it because back in the day when we were young kids here, Tim, not you, Kyle, you just before your, your age, um, we didn't have fancy, all these fancy video games like Xbox. We had one Nintendo system and an, and an Atari. And that was the biggest thing we ever had, you know, and, but I, 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 I'm joking, but back, you know, back in the day, I'm not that old. I never had an Atari. So oh, there you go. Well, I was, so I'm only a few years older than you, but my point is this, that kids didn't have, they had way less to go on during the summer vacation. Parents needed to dump their kids off places more, to be honest. And, and video games at that point weren't even close to replicating movies. So. <laughs> exactly. And, that, and that's exactly my point is right now we're in a time where content is king. And like when you have the summer and you have always, you have always different things to choose from and your kids are out. The last thing they want to get, they're wanting to do right now is go to a movie theater and for a movie that they're going to get in streaming like two weeks later. And that's the problem. And I think now with, and I, I, again, there's a whole point to all this, but this whole six month, you know, release date thing, that's the problem is like, it's kind of, you're kind of going back in the whole model of well, we need to put a movie out and we're going to put in the summer and, and it's going to be crowded. And, and, and yeah, you're going to put your movie around to be crowded. You're going to get probably, you know, on streaming in a few months. And I think that if the, if if studios and, and are are more stubborn and more like and, and more hard headed and say you know what in a good way of saying let's put a movie out let's you know every couple of months and get away from these other tentpole films so people actually go hey I haven't been to the theater in a while there's a movie coming out we should go check it out like you know what I mean like make it more like an event like when a movie comes out and is there right instead of being like oh wait till like you know Barbie comes out and that's why I'll go back to the theater like that's. That's the problem we're getting to because there's so much content. People just will rather, rather we always had a home video before and there were, there, there were longer wait times back in the day. Sure. But right now with everything that's been going on, uh, people are even more posed to wait. So theaters are way less special, even more so now. That's what I'm saying. So if this six month release date, they have to be very confident in it. And I just don't know if it's going to work. 
it could if that first movie just goes crazy. But who knows? I mean, let's put it this way. Would Rogue One be as successful after Last Jedi six months later? If they, if they if Solo swapped places? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. Mm. I mean, I, I don't know. I, to be honest, I love Rogue One. I don't know if it is as successful. I think it's more successful than Solo is. I don't think it's as successful as it was initially, if that makes any sense. So it just it just really depends on the, the zeitgeist and the culture and what everyone's kind of feeling right with Star Wars. And, it, you know, I will say this. If that movie is the Mandalorian, Heir to the Empire, Dave Filoni movie, it might have, it has a better chance of being successful. If in there, that movie has a better chance of being fine, whatever it's around because of the goodwill on streaming. But at the same time, we don't know what it is. It could be the Taika Waititi movie for what the hell that thing is. So I don't know. I, I'm, I think it's honestly at this point in time, probably not the smartest move, but I think it's not necessarily about being smart. It's about more of it. It's about more necessity than anything. Yeah. For me, like when I first heard this and I, I kind of barely just heard about it, um, I didn't kind of follow through on it. And just to be honest, I really didn't give it much thought because when I saw the whole thing about two movies coming out in the same year, I just said to myself, yeah, that's not going to happen. They're just saying that right now. And I'll, I'll actually be shocked if that's still the case because everything you mentioned, Paul, everything that happened with uh, between Last Jedi and Solo, that same gap and just how they even said like Bob Geiger and Captain Kennedy, I believe kind of saying how they learned uh, from like having too much Star Wars at a given point. And maybe yeah, it's, it's desperate times and they have to go back for that. But I, I just see, I just, I don't know, for whatever reason, I just they put that as placeholders. Actually, kind of what my thinking is, is that those are two potential release dates for one movie. Like if they can move it around, maybe if they want to, like one for whatever the first movie is going to be, maybe it's going to be the main or maybe it'll be in December. But man, I just would be really surprised if we end up getting two Star Wars movies to kick off the return of Star Wars movies in theaters. Um, it just seems like going a little bit too big there. But um, I mean, me personally, I would love it because I said it before. I said it back in 20, end of 2017, early 2018, how awesome it is to have a Star Wars movie and then have another one to look forward to just six months later. So um, I, I would love it if that happens. But at the same time, I'm not going to put money on it. That That's actually still going to be the case. And when they don't announce, every time they announce like potential just release dates and not actually what the movie's going to be it's i think you always got to be skeptical on that for that particular date they announced for a particular not movie but a movie within the franchise and how that's not always going to be set in stone so as of right now it was like okay when i heard it, it was like okay cool we have like 2026 is a year to circle on your calendar but as far as like the time frame and when exactly i think that's still really up in the air and just not nothing to get too excited about yet. Obviously, it's still quite a ways away, and just a lot can happen and change from now until then. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, I will be really surprised if we end up getting two Star Wars movies in one year. To like I said before, just to kick off the return of Star Wars movies in theaters, you, I, I would think you kind of want that, as you said, Paul, just to have room to breathe for your first Star Wars movie in in a while, um, and to have it be in a crowded summer. Um, I. I don't think it would be the best move. As you said, like you just have like a week, maybe two at the most to kind of like dominate box office and dominate conversa conversation online until people move on to the next big movies. I think that December release date fit it really worked really well when they started to go there for force awakens and beyond. Um, but so I think that would be the wise move to go back to there just so you can have 
uh, more time to yourself to have for the first Star Wars movie to, when it's coming back in theaters. So uh, we'll see. But I was definitely surprised just to hear anything really about potential release dates. Well, I think what's probably going on is that the first one probably was slated for December of 2025. I mean, we know that previously they had announced a Star Wars movie to be, you know, like the, the last time we heard about release dates, it was December of 23, 25, and 27. And we obviously, we should be getting 20, really happy, excited right now for the next Yeah, <laughs> obviously, obviously, 2023 isn't happening, but we were assuming, okay, well, maybe 2025 will still be the next one. And I, I'm assuming that even though they hadn't really like, announced any sort of revamp of those release dates that internally they were probably still thinking maybe December of 2025, 26 and 27 and just do them one year apart. So that star Wars kind of comes back to the big screen for the first time in several years. And you get three movies just one year after another. Um, and now because of the writer's strike, they've probably, that's probably why they pushed the first one back from uh, December to May. And they're just, not wanting to move all of the other release dates along with it um, and just try to keep those where they're at. So that would be my guess. Um, like we said, you know, aside from the Ray movie, we don't even know if the other two are in production yet. So we've still got three plus years uh, before we're even getting close to any of these. And so, um, you know, as we get closer and we hear production updates and stuff, you know, we'll see if anything changes, we'll see if they stick to those release dates or not. But um, like I said, at least for me, it's just exciting for right now just to kind of have an idea in mind of when we might see these movies because, um, you know, again, aside from that Ray movie with like the with Dave's movie and with um, with James Mangold's movie, heck, even with Taika's movie, if that's still happening, it was like, when are we going to see these? We don't know. It could be 2027. It could be 2029. It could be, you know, way far off in the future. So um Nice to at least kind of have a benchmark right now to to sort of look forward to and like we'll see what happens as we get closer. Um, but yeah, uh, so that's that's kind of that uh, update on the release dates. Uh, the one other movie related bit of news that we have to talk about is not actually Star Wars movie related, but it's another Lucasfilm property. Uh, little uh, archaeology movie you may have heard about that's coming <laughs> out in a couple of weeks. Um but we just wanted to uh, talk about this briefly, that the fine folks at Lucasfilm were absolutely kind and generous enough to uh, invite all of us to the L.A. red carpet premiere of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Um, now, unfortunately, Paul and I weren't able to make it just because of travel and work and all that stuff. Um, but luckily, Tim doesn't live too far from there and was able to go and attend uh, the Indiana Jones premiere on our behalf. Um, so Tim, how was it? How was the experience? How was the movie? Uh, did you, you know, bump into Harrison Ford in the bathroom? Like, <laughs> tell us all about it. That would have topped the night off if that happened, but <laughs> it was an amazing, incredible experience. I mean, I, the only thing that could have made it better is if you guys were there because it was just such an awesome night. One that I will always remember. And it was just cool because it worked out funny how, we got the email as soon as like I, when I went to Arizona to meet, to stay with you and go to the Phoenix fan fusion. And like, right when we got back from you picking me up to the airport is when we got the email notification, like <laughs> almost at the same time we were texting Paul, like, did you get it? Did you get it? Type of thing. And trying to quickly like work out some scenarios, maybe it could work out for where you could come. But unfortunately it didn't, but this is one of those instances where it's like, 
yeah, I'm really glad I live in California <laughs> for to be able to kind of be close to, and near these big events when we're lucky enough to get invited to stuff like this. But yeah, it was just incredible to be a part of because this is the first time I've attending any big Hollywood movie premiere. Um, and I was wondering how, like, how is it going to go? How is it going to work to when you get your pass, you walk the red carpet and like when celebrities walk the red carpet, can you hang around there for a little bit? Like, how is this all going to work? And it was like really cool, like smooth experience, experience where everyone who was working there was like really nice and just kind of really accommodating as far as like when you want to take pictures and, um, you're, you're able, we were able to get a plus one. So I took my dad and he came with me. And so we were taking pictures of like the different displays and props they had on there. And then someone just asked, Hey, do you guys want to take a picture or like together in front of this billboard? Like, yeah, great. And then they were saying, as soon as like you're taking pictures, just move along, keep walking down the red carpet. And when you do you reach the end, there is another section where there's like the props and costumes they have on there, but it's almost like a waiting area for the like non-celebrity guests to kind of hang out and just see, the celebrities make their way down the red carpet. So we definitely hung out there for a little bit until we were kind of told to go, it's time. The movie's going to start in like 10 minutes. It's time to get in the theaters. <laughs> but um, that's where it was really cool because that's where we got to see, I mean, icons of icons, <laughs> especially when you're a Star Wars fan like us. But um, what it was funny how it worked out because um good old gps didn't lead me to the parking lot i was trying to get to so <laughs> i kind of we were a few minutes late than when i was planning to get there so i just found another parking lot parked in there got our badges and passes to get in but as soon as we got our pass and started making our way to the red carpet harrison ford was making his way exactly at the same time in a separate section though but he was like the first big celebrity that we saw there i mean what an awesome way to kick it off to see Harrison Ford in the flesh just right there. He might have been walking by quickly, but just to see, see him there was just really cool. And of course, you had the other cast members from the Dial of Destiny um, being part of there, making their way down the red carpet. But part of me was thinking, um, you know, Spielberg's not directing it, but obviously he did all the other Indiana Jones movies. He, ha he has to show up here, right? And he did. And it was cool because he wasn't doing any interviews or anything, but he was making his way down the red carpet waving. And then what was awesome about Spielberg, he just made a point to stop to where the section where we were waiting at, where all the other guests were, and just stood there for a few minutes, started waving, let everyone take pictures of him, um, which was really cool. And like he was probably the best photos I got <laughs> while I was there. But so after Spielberg, I was wondering, oh, is George actually going to be here? I mean, <laughs> it was like, same thing with Spielberg. Spielberg more likely than Lucas to be there, but uh, I was kind of hoping beyond hope that I would see him. And sure enough, kind of lit a little bit before we, they were telling us to make our way in the theater, um, we spot Lucas. At first, I saw his wife, and then I was like, "Oh, that, George has to be here. Like, where is he?" Then um, I see him walking through. I'm like, "Oh, there he is. It's George Lucas." <laughs> like, uh, just a few feet away from me, and. Again, even though I wasn't able to like actually meet them, just being that close to the likes of Lucas, Harrison Ford, and Spielberg was just surreal. It was just amazing. And I wasn't able to get that many good photos of George because he's pretty much the exact opposite of Spielberg to where he, uh, where Spielberg let, hung around a little bit, let people take photos. Lucas just gave like one quick wave and quickly walked into the theater uh, in typical George Lucas fashion, which is I, which is what I love about George. So it was just great. But just to actually see him was amazing. And it was, as we made our way into the theater, and Kyle, you sent me a text like, I, 
I seen word that Lucas is there. Keep your keep an eye out for him. I was like, oh, I got the picture right here to show you. <laughs> and I sent it to you <laughs> real quick. Not the best photo, but uh, it was one where you zoom in enough. Uh, you clearly make out it's Jordan. So it was just awesome. So you get in the theater, then the, James Mangold comes in on stage and starts introducing everybody, the cast, and then George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, Kathleen Kennedy, Frank Marshall, which was all great stuff. But then Spielberg takes the mic and he goes, you know, it's great to be here. And there wouldn't be Indiana Jones without three people, George Lucas, the creator, Harrison Ford, who is Indiana Jones. And then he says, the one who gives Indiana his rhythm. And then the screen starts lifting up. And I'm like, oh, boy, <laughs> is he actually here, too? You see John Williams. But not only is it just John Williams, it's a full orchestra behind it. And I just start losing it going, oh, my goodness, we're actually going to hear and see John Williams perform music from Indiana Jones. And boy, if you could just see the smile on my face throughout that whole performance. I mean, there was a moment where you had George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, Harrison Ford, and John Williams all on stage together at the same time. Just a lot of my creative heroes since as young as I can remember giving me stories that I loved my entire life and just seeing them there together was just again like a surreal experience i was so thankful for because honestly who i don't know if they're ever going to be in the same room like that together again um where they're all involved in the same project so i just felt very fortunate and lucky enough to be there to experience a moment where all four of them were there together and then just to experience the music of john williams live which is something i will never forget it was just a special moment and what a perfect way. I mean, there's no better way to kick off a movie. I mean, when you're at a premiere, I guess I kind of expected you weren't going to get any coming attractions. But to know that you hear John Williams perform the iconic Indiana Jones theme, the screen comes down and the movie just starts. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. So just the whole experience itself was just incredible. Um, it was just great being on the red carpet, but seeing John Williams and seeing everybody there just really made it. Uh, a truly special night so it was great and then the movie itself i really enjoyed it um i don't think it's gonna it's not really it's not gonna be on par with raiders of the lost ark or last crusade and it probably will be divisive for some people um i like the story they told with um obviously not going to go into spoilers here but um the MacGuffin of the dial of destiny i really liked and they did something different um than what we've seen before in an Indiana Jones movie, especially in the last act, which I think is where it's probably going to get some split reactions, but I really dug it and thought it was kind of cool and did something, something different. And just seeing Harrison Ford again as Indiana Jones, I'll never get tired of seeing him play it. And in this point of his life where he is an older man and he can't do things that we were used to seeing Indy do in the previous movies and having them acknowledge that, um, it was, I enjoyed it. It was just great to see. And, um, I was going to say something, but I, still, I better not, because even though it's not a spoiler, you might be able to like have a spoiler by not saying something that's not in there. I still think it's a spoiler, so I'm not going to go into there. But um, it was great. The intro was fantastic. Uh, the de-aging effect that you see in the trailers, that whole sequence, I really dug. Um, it was a lot longer than I thought it was going to be, which was awesome. So it just made me think, man, how great if we got a full Indiana Jones movie um, in his prime as well. But it was a nice uh, prologue to the eventual story that we got. So, yeah, I really liked the movie. Um, the whole experience was incredible. So, yeah, I just could not have been more thrilled and fortunate and thankful that I got to be there. So, um, yeah, as you said, Kyle, just 
really thankful that we got that invitation from Lucasfilm because it was definitely a night I will always remember. It was definitely special. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I wish we could have all been there. Um, and I really hope that we get the chance to go again sometime, maybe for the next Star Wars movie in 2026. Um, <laughs> that's another reason to hope for the summer release. It'll be it'll be a lot sooner, so hopefully we, <laughs> we can yeah, all go yeah. and get invited again. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, I don't want to take it for granted and assume anything, but we've all exactly. decided, like, if we were to get invited to a, to a Star Wars premiere, like, that would be a drop everything. Like, we have to make that work, and we're all going to be there together um because that would just be incredible but yeah i mean it was cool enough just that you got to go and that you know we got invited to the indiana jones movie but then you know once i even just started seeing that stuff on social media that like oh steven spielberg is there and oh george lucas is there and oh my gosh john williams is on stage you know conducting indiana jones music and i think you weren't really like tweeting anything about it um live as it was happening but i was seeing some other stuff from like journalists and stuff that i follow that were there and i was like man tim's in that same room right now like hearing live john williams music i can't imagine how much he's freaking out right now so yeah um, <laughs> big freaking out big time <laughs> yeah that's that's awesome that you got to go and be uh you know just get to be a part of it and experience that um just hearing your reaction has made me you know more excited to see the movie when it comes out i hope i enjoyed as much as you did we'll see um but yeah, it's just, that's, that's awesome that you got to go and be a part of that. And uh, yeah, thank you again to the folks at Lucasfilm for inviting us and even, you know, considering us for something like that. So um, yeah, that was really cool. And uh, I mean, the movie comes out in a couple of weeks, so um, hopefully everybody else gets to, uh, you know, go see it and enjoy it. And um, I, I've, I've heard similar things that, you know, some people like it and some people, you know, seem to think that maybe it'll be split or, you know, it'll be interesting to see sort of what the overall audience reaction is when it's released publicly yeah um i mean i know it didn't get a great critical reception when it was first showed at like the Cannes film festival um and then since then i mean i've i feel like lately i've been hearing some more general reactions or more positive general reactions about it from um people that got to go to the premiere and stuff so it's got me a little more excited about it and so i'm just gonna you know go and see for myself when it comes out but um yeah, that's that's just super cool that you got to be there and be a part of that. See something for yourself and not be influenced by other people's opinions. What era are you living in? <laughs> I know, I know. It's a rare thing in this day and age, isn't it? Yep. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah, we just wanted to uh, bring that up real quick. Let Tim share that experience with you guys. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's, you know, the Star Wars movie news, the Indiana Jones movie news. Um, let's get to the Star Wars video game news and talk about Star Wars Outlaws, which was officially announced. Uh, just I think it's been about a week now um, since we got the trailer and the gameplay uh, released at uh, Ubisoft's event during the uh, Summer Games Fest um, just recently. So um, it's funny because in in a little bit when we play the audio from our gaming panel, you'll hear us talk about uh, the upcoming untitled Ubisoft open world game that we know is in development. And I think I even mentioned on that panel that like this is probably going to be the next Star Wars game coming out. And if we get any Star Wars gaming news in the next couple of weeks with all these you know summer gaming events that are going on and stuff, it's probably going to be for this one. And so sure enough, this is what it was. Um, so when you hear that panel audio at the end, you know, part of that's going to be a little bit outdated already. So when we get to that part talking about the Ubisoft open world game, this is the one we're talking about. Um, and here, how my, uh, hope for what that game, uh, 
I was hoping that game would be is like not not even close. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, maybe certain elements, but oh, were you hoping? I forget. Were you were you hoping for like Mandalorian or like a bounty hunter type game? Or I something? was hoping for like a prequel Mandalorian story with Din Djarin, like before yeah. he meets Grogu. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. So so they finally you know revealed all this stuff about Star Wars Outlaws, which is set uh, in between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Um, the main character is a young thief named Kay Vess, and uh, she's got a little companion creature with her named Nyx, um, and a droid named, I think it's ND5, uh, is her droid companion, who's, it's, it's a cool design. He's a, an old commando droid from the Clone Wars, who I guess is now like a bounty hunter and wears a trench coat, and uh, I did not know that so many people I followed on Twitter had an attraction to commando droids and trench coats, but uh, that's <laughs> been an interesting reaction as part of all this. But um, no, so this looks really cool. And, you know, like I said, Kay is kind of a, a young upstart thief who uh, it sounds like, you know, she's going to kind of get in over her head or end up, you know, sort of inadvertently being part of a, a a job or an event or a heist or something like that, that is going to sort of set her on this path of becoming, uh, you know, one of the galaxy's most wanted, maybe put her on the wrong side of the empire and kind of set her on a course of sort of chasing the fortune and notoriety in the criminal underworld. Um, and, uh, you know, they talked a lot about how uh, the the period in between empire strikes back and return of the Jedi is kind of a lull for the rebellion. They're kind of, recouping after some of their losses and you know building up to the stuff that happens in return of the jedi but and the empire is kind of reconsolidating power um but it's a time when the criminal the criminal underworld is thriving there's a lot of different you know bounty hunters and crime syndicates and all this kind of stuff and so k is going to have to navigate all of that stuff there's a you know different factions within the game like the pikes and the huts and uh, a system where you can, you know, sort of balance your reputation between these different factions. Um, there's, you know, they, they showed off in some of the gameplay, like there's dialogue choices, there's things you can do to either, you know, sort of make allies or enemies with people. So it's interesting to see that even though this is sort of a, a narrative, like story-driven single-player game um, that I assume will be a canon story, there is going to be kind of some some player choice and freedom throughout as far as how you go about playing. Um, and I'm assuming it's going to be something where like the big story points of the game are going to kind of be the same for everybody um, and are going to kind of end up being canon, but like just the way that you choose to play and the way you go about um, sort of achieving those objectives, um, I think is going to be different for everybody. It will be interesting to see like if it's all going to sort of end in one spot or if there will be sort of branching endings um, or, you know, multiple different outcomes or something and sort of how they handle that in terms of what's canon. Um, but I guess we'll kind of see as we get closer or maybe just have to wait to see till we're playing the game to, to find out if that is the case. Um, but just knowing that this takes place in between five and six, which is kind of a short time period and knowing that, you know, again, with it being criminal underworld and stuff, I, I assume we're going to be sort of at least in proximity to, uh, you know, Jabba the Hutt and Boba Fett and some of the, the bounty hunters that you see in Empire Strikes Back and stuff. And so it's like some of that stuff kind of has to end in a certain spot, as we know. Um, 
but at the same time, seems like there's just a lot of freedom to play in this sandbox and a lot of, you know, different stuff to explore. It's always fun to see the pikes come back again. Um, I also wonder if maybe we'll see Crimson Dawn show up in the game and maybe even have Kira in here because I know she's been in a lot of the Bounty Hunter comics that take place during that time period. Um, so it just seems like there's, you know, a, a lot of, um, I don't know, a lot of cool stuff they can do, a lot of uh, fun to explore and and just kind of things to dive into on this sort of seedy side of things that we haven't really seen explored a lot of so far um at least in terms of like on-screen canon content again i know there's a lot of the, the comics and stuff they're getting into that right now um but also you know they sh they've shown off like in the trailer and stuff to some of the different locations that you'll get to go to and there's new planets there's familiar planets it looks like tatooine will be in here but again like especially if if Jabba is involved in all this criminal underworld stuff. Um, I think it makes sense that Tatooine would be a location, but it also looks like Kajimi from rise of Skywalker yeah. is in there. Um, see that one. And some new locations as well. Um, but I mean, it just looks a lot of fun and like, I'm not always the most excited about open world games just because sometimes they feel too big or like there's too much to do. And I kind of, I, I think my ideal style is like kind of what they do in Jedi Survivor, where it's like you have open world areas and, you know, options to kind of go off the hidden path and find collectibles or do side quests or whatever. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's a, a main linear story that is, you know, pretty easy to follow. Um, and you don't feel like you're getting lost, you know, going too far off the beaten path or just getting bogged down with just endless side quests or anything like that. Um, but I, I don't know. I think this is going to be a, a fun, um, just a fun time period and a fun way to just explore the galaxy and get to hop between all these different planets, even in the gameplay, just the way that they showed, um, you know, traversing the planets on speeder bikes and going in and out of these hub towns and getting in your ship and being able to take off directly from a planet and go right into space and have dogfights with TIE fighters and then jump straight into hyperspace and come out to a different planet. Like this seems like the type of game that I wouldn't mind spending three hours just traversing the galaxy and doing side quests or exploring planets or whatever. Um, so I am excited too to like find out more about the characters and kind of see what the main plot is going to be. And, you know, I always love a good Star Wars story, but um, this one looks like if nothing else, it's going to be fun to just kind of play that scoundrel smuggler type role where you know you got your blaster and you got your your trusty sidekick and you got your ship and just kind of you know explore the galaxy get up to some trouble uh have some fun so it so far so good i think everything looks really cool and i think it's just going to be a lot of fun to play yeah it was cool to get or at least to find out what ubisoft's game is going to be and get that reveal trailer it was a cool like uh, just story driven cg trailer that we got just setting the tone of what it was going to be i will be honest i was a little disappointed when i found out the error that it was going to be just in a, another game set in the original trilogy error um which um i think at this point in games like i'm hoping for future ones we kind of go further out either further in the future close in the sequel trilogy timeline or way back even before the prequel era timeline but um Still, because um, I'm just thinking, oh, this is going to be your typical go against uh, the Empire um, type game scenario and missions are going to be around that. And it looks like there definitely is going to be a level where you kind of you see K sneaking around which is aboard a Star Destroyer. But I am glad to see that the focus is going to be more on the crime syndicate 
and just uh, the underworld of Star Wars. I, I love seeing the pikes in the trailer and just um, coming straight out of the book of Boba Fett and their realistic design. So it was cool to see them. And just I just hope the main thrust of the story and the missions you go on is more crime syndicate related and like have the Empire be involved in a minimal way, um, just so we're just not always taking down stormtroopers in all these star recent Star Wars games that we've been getting. Um, but so but they're just um, such good video game cannon fodder. Uh, I think battle droids have took that place now over them. So well, <laughs> I'd rather shoot up and chop up battle droids. I'll, I'll take both. Uh, so yeah, when I first saw that trailer, okay, cool. We know what it's about. Um, it looks it looks cool, but um, what's the gameplay going to be like? So it wasn't until we got that gameplay trailer, that 10 minute gameplay gameplay trailer, where I felt, man, I can't wait to play this game <laughs> because it looks fantastic from a graphical standpoint um and just a gameplay standpoint there's just so much about it that i'm excited for to experience um this type of gameplay in a star wars setting where um the gun combat looks uh like your typical third person shooter it looks fun and um and then moving that into vehicle based gameplay where you're riding on the speeder bike um, again nothing new there but i just like it's how this template this 10 minute gameplay demo showed so much of what this game is going to be you got that but i really like where it's going to have dialogue choices and just where you can make your decisions and that it looks like is going to affect uh, the gameplay. Cause there's that moment where um, you see K is talking with um, the Mon Calamari buyer. And then there's an Imperial officer there and the Imperial officer kind of makes a, offers you a bribe <laughs> for uh, the piece you just got. And then you have the option to accept or to decline. And in the demo, it showed uh, K declining it. But at the same time then that, obviously upsets the Imperial officer and she puts out like a bounty and you become wanted. And then um, that brings out more troops for you to evade and try to escape from, um, which is kind of like a gameplay element I liked in Red Dead Redemption, where depending on how you do certain things, you become wanted and then sheriffs would be after you and you have to try to escape or take him out. And it looks like that gameplay element's going to be here in Star Wars Outlaws, which is going to be kind of a lot of fun for you to make those decisions if it'll be worth it to uh, go that way. Or maybe it is in your benefit to cut a deal with an empire uh, or an imperial officer here and there throughout the course of the story. So I just like that it's giving you these different type of options. I'm excited to see what other um, decisions you might have to make that might be a little tough for you. But as you said, Kyle, then you see Kay going into the ship and just that moment of that seamless transition of just taking off in your, in your ship. It doesn't go to a cutscene or anything. You just you're there in the cockpit, um, leaving the atmosphere and heading into the stars. And I thought, oh, that's cool. But then you actually get to have space combat, which is just another gameplay dynamic that is just really cool that the game's going to have. And it looked really good, too, um, but I'm just taking down TIE Fighters in that moment. So gameplay, there's some of the stuff to look forward to, like I said, the gunplay, dialogue choices, character interactions, aerial space combat. Um, it's all the makings there for a really fun, exciting game um that is shaping up in star wars outlaws and the characters look great too i mean i sent this a tweet out like this but current star wars games are just nailing it with the companion characters obviously with bd1's a great and now you got nix as a companion character for k who looks like he's gonna come in handy in certain areas it just looks adorable so there's just a lot of uh, fun elements to the character designs that we're seeing here too and the characters that you're gonna be able to play and interact with as well. So there's just so much, I think, potential now having seen this gameplay for Star Wars Outlaws that I'm just really excited about. And it's just another great, or hopefully a great Star Wars game to look forward to. The only thing, um, like kind of not a concern, but worry I have with the story, 
I just hope it doesn't fall into kind of a trope we see where um, she's a scoundrel, but eventually she's going to find a way to the rebellion and becomes like a rebel hero, almost mm. a similar path to Han Solo. Like just, I just hope she stays a scoundrel, <laughs> this uh, uh, works away in the underworld and not really getting involved with uh, the rebellion or the empire one way or another. But eventually they just have to cross paths because of necessity of what she's trying to do. Um, just uh, either for for a job, so um, I hope it just sticks mainly more to that criminal underworld, even for her as a character, just to kind of stay as that and just do something a little different from the Star Wars video games, where it's not just always finding your way either into the rebellion or fighting against the Empire. So we'll see, but yeah, again, just a lot to be excited about. I think with this one, this looks like um, just a truly next great Star Wars game that um, it's going to be have great to have so or so close from Jedi Survivor. So it's just um, another one to look forward to that's on the horizon. Very interesting. Very interesting, all your perspectives, you hardcore gamer kids. <laughs> video and your videos you play with your controllers and remote controls. Here's oh, are you still using the Connect Paul or the? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I don't even know what that is. Um, oh, you're better so, off, trust me. Yeah, probably. <laughs> no, uh, here's. I, you know, being, uh, uh, moving, you know, houses and having a, a toddler who we, my wife and I have called a, a three-nager because she's insane. Because <laughs> uh, um, she, people say terrible toe, uh, to toes, terrible twos. You know, she wasn't that bad. It's when, you know, we, when, when we upended her from her normal setting to a new setting while she's a three-year-old, pretty, pretty brutal, not gonna lie. It's been pretty, it's been a different transition. So anyway, I say all that because life, as we all know, I've, I've said on the show, I have not been played much of Jedi survivor. I heard about Jedi outlaws and I'm like, I'm going to check that out soon. And I just kept forgetting and kept forgetting because life is as busy. And before Lulu, I would have checked that out right away. I would have talked to Tim and Kyle about it already. And then, Oh my God. And, and did some research, but I just don't have as much time in my life anymore. Unfortunately. Now that, that that's to say, I'm not like excited or interested. I just, I just don't, I'm just, I don't have time to invest in it right this moment. So I had before the show is the first time I actually watched uh, the full trailer. I've seen clips online, obviously. And you know, the, the most of the gameplay they've showed the 10 minute gameplay. And uh, I know I, I, from, from the general sense of the game, people seem excited about it. That seems kind of echoing what you guys are some trepidation, obviously, but most excitement um you know you're so you're getting me 100 like off the cuff here i've only you know an hour ago of that um i think it looks it looks solid it looks okay i don't nothing wows me about it like it there's some cool stuff in it for sure that i saw like that makes, makes me go well, that's cool but here's the problem uh this character k whatever is that her name i don't know what her name is like you know whatever yeah, her name is it's k K. All right. Oh, wow. Very original. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, content creators. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. I see her and how she's acting, interacting. I immediately go Dr. Afro light. Yeah. I mean, like immediately, yeah. like I have not seen a single thing about it online. I'm not sure. I, I just said, let's diet Dr. Afra 100%. And it's just like, why don't you just make a Dr. Afra game? Like, I mean, like at yeah, this that's point, fair. I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, like she's literally Dr. Afro, like 
maybe she's not an archaeologist like Indiana Jones in this in the comic books, but just make a Dr. Afro game. You can have Black Chrysanthemum. You've got the droids. I mean, like people would be all about that. You can cross promote with the comics, maybe get more people interested in the character and you know, yada, yada, yada. Like, it's just like, why? Like this, she's, I mean, obviously she's a different character and you want, I want more diverse characters and more female characters and you know, whatever. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it just seems like it's just make her a different kind of character. You know, you could be, an outlaw and not have to be a wise cracking Han Solo ish kind of character. Right. Like that's, there's more, there's more that, that trope's been done to death in star Wars. Let's do something a little bit different now. Or if you're going to do that similar kind of character, why do you already have a character named Dr. Afra? Just use that one. Cause she's great. You know, I mean, she's not always written the best, but she's a good character. I do believe that. Um, and so I, I think that's the biggest thing that is obvious to me. And I think part of it, though, is, too, they're trying to get this game out and have it be interesting and unique, but also get the game out like as soon as possible to capitalize on the lack of Star Wars games we've gotten in the last 10 years. And th that's what it feels like. It looks great. The The gameplay looks fun. Um, you know, I, I, I'm going to have a blast playing it. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I don't play many video games and Star Wars are the only things that I probably prioritize that I will play and beat at some point. Next is Spider-Man and, and superhero games. But even that is like Spider-Man is, you know, I, I did that pretty fast, but <laughs> I took my time too. Right. You know, so for me, so I, it, it here's you said it all tim and I, I i don't have a lot to say because you guys pretty much said it and you guys are bigger gamers than i am but i definitely want to give my perspective of someone who's a casual gamer from a standpoint of a hardcore star wars person you said something about like yeah it's 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 in the empire era it's like you know it sucks because i hate being a broken record about it but i am i both understand why we're in the empire era but I'm just so tired of being in the empire era. I'm just, I, I want to get away from this whole era of like, we're talking like even high Republic, like that game that came out was it star Wars twilight. Is that what it's called? I forgot what it's going to be called now. Eclipse. The, Eclipse. Oh, that, that most certainly did not come out. Well, right. Right. But the thing is that that game, who knows what's going to happen to that, you know, given the situation, all that jazz, but that game looked incredible from the, you know, at least we were getting some different kind of worlds and different eras. And it was exciting mm -hmm. and different. And listen, the reason why we're not, we're not getting those games that like we did maybe back in the day is, you know, for like the old Republic and things like that, like not like old Republic literally, but like this, like that, where you can kind of go do your thing is that there's a more controlled whole canon aspect. I love that. I want that. But this is the downside of that is we're just getting like repetition of the eras. And I just, you know, it's like, oh, great. We're in the Empire era. And oh, there, there's a there's a droid from the Clone Wars but that's kind of a nod to those people. You know, it's just, it's kind of by the numbers right now. And now listen, like I'm sure I'll have fun playing the game. It'll be fun and everything. But you know, there from a the problem with that kind of game from a casual gamer standpoint is a story is like gonna be just kind of average for me already. I can already I mean I may hope I'm wrong, but I'm already getting like eh vibes. And even Jedi Outcast or Jedi um Outcast, excuse me. Oh, oh my god, my Jedi um Fallen Order, excuse me. I tell you outcast. Um Jedi Fallen Order. I was a little, I, I definitely was a little like, okay, what were we going to get from this? But there was a great emotional story there that I was maybe not 
expecting. And I think a lot of people weren't expecting a great kind of story with, with great gameplay. And that made it a much better experience. I think that game took a lot of people by surprise. And Star Wars Outlaws could definitely do that same thing here. It's just the odds are against it. And I and I just kind of am not I'm not enthralled by the characters. I'm not enthralled by the the, the timeline. I'm sure I'll change my tune when, once I start playing it, having fun with it. But as of this moment now, I'm just not excited. I would like to get a different kind of game. Maybe not about a human character, you know, whether it be male or female or whatever. But give me something different. Like you kind of said too, Tim, like, why are we, I mean, and here, listen, I understand why we're not getting Mandalorian games because right now they don't have the assets probably built in to do that. Let's be real, to make it a real legitimate, amazing game. Because all they have to do is do like some kind of do the freaking uh, tears of, um, you know, tra trail of a thousand tears, you know, whatever or whatever that that's that that whole story is about the Empire invading uh, Mandalore. Night of a thousand Mandalore. tears. Yeah. Night of a thousand, yeah, trail, trail, night, Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> different, different, different realities, obviously. Um, but you get what I'm saying, though, like, like just something in that would be people would lose their minds over and you have to make it look good. But. To get a Mandalorian game out there, it just seems like a no-brainer at this point. Like, not even like Mando. I'm talking, you know, Din Djarin. I'm talking about this Mandalorian, period. Um, it just seems like a no-brainer, and that feel, feels like they'd be printing a lot of money off at that point. And I feel like that's gonna happen, but they need they need time to develop it because they need to develop the lore. You know, they need to make sure things are in line. They're not, to, you know, it's again, you have to, it's, there's a lot more TLC. That needs to be done on those kind of games and something like this where you can kind of throw a character and they go, hey, actually, she's just, you know, you know, she's you know, back talking job of the hut and you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like there's just there's not a lot of I hate to say it, there's just not a lot of effort in that in, in a sense of like being able to do something different. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying the people who work on the game didn't do hard hard work of dialogue and developing characters, just just as far as developing the world and, and the assets and those things, it just you need something that gets quick and easy. And that's quick. It's quicker and easier than developing a whole thing from scratch, which is even with Mandalorians, you're still doing that to some extent, or even in anything you're doing outside of the, the main empire era. So that's my whole problem with this right now is that we're getting games that are safe because they want to get, they want to make money and I get it. And it just sucks for right now because things are kind of all over the place in the gaming world and in the star Wars world that I honestly, I, I I hate to throw this on Kathleen Kennedy and I don't mean to throw it on her necessarily, but I'm going to throw a little bit on her. I think until we have better leadership of not of the business side of Lucasfilm, but I think of the content side of star Wars, that someone's more in charge or at least have a better foundation that understands the branding better, to be honest. Um, and how to orchestrate that better. And I'm not sure who that is. I don't I'm saying it has to be John Favreau, or Dave Filoni, but it just has to be someone that understands that can get this out and, and knows how to orchestrate not just films and but actually understands a franchise as a whole. And I think that's the one thing that George Lucas, you know, granted he didn't give an F about canon, so he like let anything go pretty much, which is a you can't do that either. I don't think. I just think that you have to have you have to show fans you you care about the brand and the canon. And I think that's how you do it. You make sure things matter at some extent, these stories do collide with other ones right they don't have to fit in 100 you know you know round round circle round circle you know square peg you know or whatever what i'm trying to say with that but there has to be some kind of like continuity appreciation respect and i think right now they're just playing too safe and i and i would like to get a game that's a little bit more 
on off the beaten path like heaven forbid why don't we do a game where it's about like aliens you know pirates and then like you know taking over other you know whatever you know what i mean instead of just being like i'm a solo i'm a solo-ish kind of character driving a a car that looks like it's from space balls driving around with my little <laughs> buddy uh dog and i'm not even kidding you it looks like the freaking space balls like ship um that like uh princess uh vespa drives uh and is a little bit more like maybe a little more star wars ish but anyway um i digress but uh yeah i just it just doesn't feel like it's a it's a game that i'm like i'm super excited about and i think that's the problem and i'd like to get something more excited i want to get more excited about a game and about something like that and it's just like but the books are the same problem and the comics are the same problem for the most part there's just not a lot of stuff they're doing outside of the main like era and it's just kind of it's it's just getting old. You can only mine it for so long. I mean, we've already because a part of the problem is we've already mined it for what forty years, right? Yeah. So you know, it's like and I get it. Like that's everyone knows and is familiar with that. And you got to milk it. But I mean, we got to start moving on from this. And I I think it's time. And I think outlaw hope outlaws will be fun. I hope I love it. But I'm not excited about it. Let's just say that. And I just wish they just give us make a Dr. Afro character. Just give her make her be Dr. Afro for God's sakes. It's, it'd be, be way cooler, I think, at this point. But that's just me. Well, I will say this. I mean, I kind of thought of the Dr. Afro comparison too, but for all we know, Dr. Afro could show up in this game. Um I'd actually I be think, surprised if she doesn't show up in this game. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's one of the things that's cool is the opportunity to bring in again, sort of some of these more sort of like seedy underworld characters that haven't gotten as much of the spotlight. And I'm not saying that the whole game should just be cameos by, you know, familiar characters. Like I'm excited for them to be able to establish this new protagonist and, you know, new, new side characters and stuff and tell their own new story. But I think, you know, you could have Dr. Afra show up. You could have Kersantan show up. You could have Bosk, Dengar, Boba Fett, Jabba the Hutt, like, you know, it, Again, we've seen a lot of these characters, but we've never really had a story that focused on just those guys. Um, again, at least not sort of a a main, you know, not like the movies and TV shows and like a main, um, you know, big AAA title video game. I know we've had comics and novels and stuff like that, but I think it's different to have it on screen and, you know, sort of played by actors and stuff like that. So, um I mean, that's one of the things that kind of gets me excited about the possibilities of this. No, I will say I'm not as excited about this story-wise as I am about something like Jedi Fallen Order or Jedi Survivor. But even there, like when they announced sort of the story premise for Jedi Fallen Order and it was like, oh, okay, another Jedi Surviving Order 66 and another story set in between episodes three and four because it felt like at that time there were a lot of stories set in that time period. Um, and I was kind of like you know not super excited just based on the premise and then like you said paul they ended up surprising us with a really uh you know heartfelt emotional character driven story and so i think i'm kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt here because i think there's no reason to yeah, think I that they it. won't do that and i think again just because like there's a lot of um a lot of potential to explore some uncharted territory you know just when you have a new character that's going to new planets and dealing with kind of a different side of like factions in the galaxy and stuff that we maybe haven't seen as much of. Um, I think there's just the opportunity to do a lot of fun, cool stuff and have a lot of surprises. And so I'm not, it's not like I've immediately fallen in love with the character or I think the story is going to be awesome or anything, but I'm kind of just excited by the possibilities of it all. 
Um, and I also think it looks really fun from a gameplay standpoint. And so that's why, like I said, like even if the story isn't super engrossing, I could see myself playing this and just spending hours traveling the galaxy and going to different planets and just doing, you know, doing jobs for different underworld factions and, you know, managing reputation between the huts and the pikes and crimson dawn and black sun and you know all these different crime syndicates and stuff i think will just be uh you know make for kind of some fun gameplay dynamics and stuff but also i mean you can tell that as with all of these big star wars games you know just a lot of effort has gone into it to just kind of make the world feel authentic and stuff because as i was watching it even watching the 10 minute gameplay demo um, you know, at first I was like, okay, like this looks fun. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going along, I'm seeing kind of what they're, what they're going for here. And, you know, you got fun gameplay and fun characters and stuff, but I wasn't like blown away by it or anything, but there were some little, like just little star Wars touches that made me feel like, oh man, it's going to be cool to play this and just feel like you're in the star Wars universe. Like when, so it starts off with Kay kind of doing like this heist job in this base. You know, she's she's gotten some valuable object. She's trying to escape from this pike, you know, compound. Um, she's fighting guys on her way out. She gets to a speeder bike and then she races to the nearest town where her ship is parked and there's a cantina and stuff. But just as she's approaching the town on her speeder bike and you see other people on speeder bikes coming and going from the town. And it like, it was just a little detail that to me, gave me this feeling of like you're in like a living breathing like star wars environment like feeling like you're actually on this like inhabited planet and maybe it's just the fact that usually when you go to sort of like towns or like hub worlds in video games um heck even in like jedi survivor when you're on uh you're at the the main town there on kobo it's like all the npcs and the people that you interact with and stuff are kind of just like standing around and you can walk up to and talk to them or maybe you'll have a couple people that are walking down the streets or something and so to just have like random people coming and going on speeder bikes and have it feel you know have this kind of like hustle and bustle kind of feel to it i thought was really cool and then again like when she gets in the ship and you're able to go straight from the surface to the sky to space to you know then jump into hyperspace and go to another planet it's like we've been wanting that in a star wars game ever since like that canceled battlefront 3 right <laughs> um and we still haven't gotten that mechanic in any star wars game yet and so it does make me wonder like i'm not surprised that they can pull that off on the current gen consoles with you know the stuff that you can do on on ps5 and the xbox series x and stuff and so it's cool to see them now sort of now that those consoles have been out for a couple of years see what these games can do that have been fully designed just for these new consoles and like really be able to harness and take advantage of that technology um but it also makes me wonder like okay when it's in our hands like is it all gonna play that smoothly where you're you know just like driving around different towns on the planets and getting in your ship and hopping up into space and like i really hope that they are able to pull it off and make it all feel that seamless um because that's one of the the biggest appeals for me right now is again just being able to you know just sort of explore and go on adventures around this seamless star wars universe that you're able to sort of traverse without any like loading scenes or cut scenes or anything like that um and jedi survivor does a great job of that as well but this seems like it's going to be even more expansive just open world environments and stuff so um yeah i think if nothing else i think it's going to be fun to play but i'm i'm sort of giving them the benefit of the doubt in thinking that at least from what we've seen so far, it seems like, again, Kay seems like a fun character. I know she kind of seems like another typical, like, scoundrel Han Solo type and, you know, kind of seems like 
she's got some similarities to Dr. Afra as well. Um, but I'm trusting that, you know, over the course some? of the, the uh, I'm just trusting that over the course of the dozens of hours of story that we're going to get in this game, that they're going to, you know, make her stand on her own and give her a unique story. That's going to, uh, you know, sort of make her stand out. So it, I don't know. That's it, what I'm looking forward to. It's possible they'll be able to do it, but right now, and that's the thing. I want to make this emphasize this very much. So I will be there day one playing it day one. I'm excited. I'll be excited to play it. Cause I love star Wars. It's one of my favorite things in life, but it just, I am, but these characters do nothing to excite me personally. So I just want to make that very clear. And it, I, I'm all about being proven wrong because I, you know, I was more excited about Jedi Fallen Order just because it's, 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 you know, lightsabers and that's more my jam, um, you know, Jedi stuff. But, you know, this, I still love this kind of stuff too. But, you know, I just, yeah, these characters just, it does not move the needle on the characterizations alone. And that is problematic, I think. But, they, but again, I'm, I'm, I'm in the minority, I feel, as far as in general. I think more people are excited about this game than I am. So I'm not trying to act like I'm like, I am the uh, the way, the truth, and the life of this uh, <laughs> Star Wars fandom. So uh, uh, no, that's not even close. But yeah, but listen, the one thing about me, I want people, if you may hate my guts, but I want people to understand and at least can acknowledge that if I, I can admit when I'm proven wrong, if I do like something, even if I don't hate it going into it or whatever. And I've, you know, so we'll see you know, if, if it, I want, I want it to prove me wrong. I really do. I don't want to be right. I don't want to be like, yeah, I'm not going to like this. I want to love it. So we'll see what happens. My, I'm just, my expectations are kind of lower. Yeah, that's fair. And Hey, you know what? Sometimes when you enjoy something the most is when you go in with low expectations and it ends up surprising you. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm kind of the opposite where I almost can't help but get my hopes up super high for something Star Wars related coming out. But I am kind of trying to, you know, now that we're in this era of, um, you know, the EA exclusive Star Wars licenses ended. So we're going to be getting a lot more different Star Wars games coming out from different studios. And it's like not every one of them is going to be my new favorite Star Wars game and not everyone is going to be as fantastic as Jedi Survivor is. And so I, I am trying to sort of temper my expectations a little bit and just go into it expecting to just have fun with the characters in the story and have fun playing it and just enjoy a, a fun new Star Wars adventure without it necessarily having to be something mind blowing. But um yeah, I don't know. I'm still kind of in that that excited phase for this one since we just got our first look at it a couple of weeks ago. But um, this will be out, you know, sometime next year. They said 2024. We don't have an exact release date yet, um, but I'm sure we'll get plenty more on that in the coming months and over the next year. And, uh, you know, I know there's still like Gamescom and some other gaming events throughout the rest of this year. So I don't know if we'll get more info or any trailers or anything then. Also, I don't know if we'll get any other star wars games announced within the next year or so or if they're if they'll wait till after this one comes out um i mean since stuff is coming out from different studios i wouldn't be surprised if we get you know some overlapping announcements and stuff um so yeah it's just it's gonna be a fun time in these next few years um for star wars gamers to start getting just a variety of different star wars games and different stories and stuff that hopefully are all gonna be you know just a lot of fun to play and there'll be, you know, something like the cool thing is always just like with the, the variety of stuff that we're getting on Disney Plus right now. Like there's something for everybody. If the the scoundrel thief smuggler underworld story isn't your jam, but Jedi Survivor is like, you know, that's totally fine. So. 
Still waiting for that new Star Wars fighting game. I've been saying that even when the EA deal first got announced 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully that would be part of it. But You know, I've been wanting that ever since uh, Soul Calibur 4 when they had Yoda and Vader right. and Starkiller as playable like guest characters. And I was like, okay, but like, can I have this but with just Star Wars characters? I know something miles better than Masters of Terraskazi, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like that one was bad and they're like okay never again and it's like no but you could do so much better i don't so caliber four proved it the one thing that i hate about that is you know one of the criticisms that i hear some people say about having a star wars fighting game is like oh it's unrealistic because a lightsaber should just be able to kill you in one hit and it's like okay but like i feel like that's something where like you can make an exception for like it's a video game I mean, fighting games, those rules go out the window. For fighting yes, games. exactly. <laughs> I mean, heck, even look at Soul Calibur, which I mean, I feel like oh, yeah. a lot of fighting games like Mortal Kombat and stuff like tend to be more, you know, sometimes they'll fight with weapons and stuff. But, so you know, Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter and stuff like that, I feel like they're more just sort of straight hand to hand combat. Like Soul Calibur, everybody's got weapons. They've got, you know, staffs, swords, bladed weapons, all this kind of stuff. Just because it's not a glowing energy sword, it's still stuff that would kill you in one or two hits. Exactly. So like if we're willing to suspend our disbelief for that, why not lightsabers? Yes, please. <laughs> and the roster they can have for a Star Wars fighting game now. Oh my gosh. Incredible. Yeah. Um, so you yeah, have to give use us... random Gamorrean guards or uh, Tuscan Raiders like they did in <laughs> Terrace <Kazi laughs> to fill the roster out. I mean, yeah. So a, a new Star Wars fighting game, a new Star Wars pod racing game. I yes. know, you know, it's like episode one, or yeah, like Phantom Menace is not necessarily the forefront of the cultural conversation around Star Wars right now. So I can see why that maybe is not something that they're like in a rush to make, but also like, why would you not? You know, with the technology that they have for racing games nowadays, like you could make something just incredible for that. Even do some new kind of Star Wars racing game. Like it doesn't have to be pod racing. It could be swoop bike racing or the racing they had in Star Wars Resistance or, you know, something like that. Just give me some kind of high octane, you know, fast Star Wars racing game. Um, Yeah, that would be awesome too. Stuff we go into a little bit at the... Phoenix Fan Fusion video game panel as well. <laughs> yeah, race, yeah. You'll, you'll Star Wars hear... racing game won't conversation won't die until we get one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll hear us talk again about pod racing in a little bit here. Um, but yeah, any other uh any other thoughts on um outlaws before we wrap up this part of it? Nope, not on my end. Uh, like I said, I thought there was a cool reveal trailer. I'm I will say I'm glad they showed a gameplay demo the day after the reveal trailer. Because mm-hmm. if we were just going off that reveal trailer, there really wouldn't be that much to talk about from a gameplay standpoint. And that's what really has me most excited about it. Just all the cool stuff we're gonna be able to do from a gameplay perspective. So I'm really glad they didn't waste any time showing us what exactly this game's gonna be. Yeah, same here. Um yeah, it was cool that we got, um, you know, both of those right back to back and didn't leave you with a lot of like lingering questions. And I know for me, like, you know, seeing the reveal trailer, it was like, oh, okay, cool. And then seeing the gameplay, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, this does look like a lot of fun. Like mm-hmm. the gameplay trailer, or the the announcement trailer didn't give you a whole lot to go off of, aside from just kind of cinematics of, you know, action packed Star Wars set pieces and stuff. But um, yeah, the gameplay does look like it's going to be pretty fun. So um yeah we'll have uh that to look forward to next year obviously we'll you know talk more about it as we get more updates over the next coming year and stuff so um yeah just add it to the list of uh 
you know, lots of upcoming Star Wars stuff to be excited about. Um, but obviously, you know, the next thing we oh, the, I guess the one other thing that we didn't mention, not video game related, is uh, for Ahsoka, we finally got a release date announced too, and it's August 23rd. Yes. Um, so that is two months away. Um, so I would expect we should be getting another trailer for that fairly soon now. Um, and, uh, you know, start getting excited and kind of ramping up to that as it's coming out soon. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we, so we've also got one more panel from fan fusion that we're going to put out talking about Mando season three. And we were thinking about, um, doing an episode, you know, kind of to go along with that, with the three of us and kind of maybe do a little bit of a, a Mando season three recap. And also the, uh, Disney gallery for Mando season three comes out next week. Um, so on our next episode, we might get back to talking about some Mando and, and kind of revisit uh, the most recent season again. And then uh, kind of from there, just get excited in this ramp up period for Ahsoka. And um, yeah, I think that's going to be awesome. And then just keep the train rolling with uh, all this great new Star Wars content that we've got coming out. So um, yeah, I think we're, we're ready to, about ready to wrap up on uh, this part of the discussion with the three of us. But like I said, stay tuned right after this for uh, me and Tim's panel with Jason from Phoenix Fan Fusion, where we talk uh, just a little bit more about um, all these upcoming Star Wars video games, as well as uh, Jedi Survivor. Um, it is a spoiler discussion for those of you that haven't played it yet. And I know we, I mean, we already did our own spoiler discussion on here, but um, you'll just get to hear, you know, us talking with Jason and the the crowd at fan fusion about all this stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it's great to be able to talk outlaws and Indiana Jones and get the three of us back together again. Um, so thank you guys for tuning in. I know we didn't really put out any, uh, any Twitter questions or anything for this episode, but um, you know, obviously if you want to follow us online and keep up with all our latest stuff, you can follow us on Twitter at star Wars TSC, uh, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. Uh, you can email us at starwarstsc at gmail.com and check out our website at starwarstsc.com. Um, but that's going to do it for now. Uh, thank you guys again for listening. We will see you next time and may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Godspeed, Welcome, everybody, to uh, Jedi Survivor and the Future of Star Wars Gaming here at uh, Phoenix Fan Fusion. Everybody had a good day so far? Nice. Um, so I will introduce myself and my fellow panelists here in just a second. But quick show of hands, who here has finished uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor so far? Okay, a lot of you. Uh, we are going to be talking spoilers in this panel, but we'll save that for the end. Um, we're going to talk, uh, we'll, we'll start out actually talking a, a brief history of uh, Star Wars games kind of up to this point. Then we'll kind of give a spoiler free review of Jedi Survivor. Um, and then we're going to talk about some future upcoming Star Wars games, some stuff that's in production right now and give some updates on that. Uh, then we'll take some time for audience questions. If you guys have any questions about the stuff we've talked about up to that point, any of the upcoming games or any of that kind of stuff. Um, and we'll kind of give you a few minutes if you haven't finished Jedi Survivor yet and you don't want it spoiled for you to uh, leave the panel at that point, And then we'll talk spoilers uh, for the last few minutes with those of you left. So, yeah. Um, yeah so uh, my name's Kyle. I uh, host a Star Wars podcast called Star Wars The Saga Continues along with this guy. 
Um, I've been doing panels here at FanFusion for several years. This is our first time doing a gaming panel, and I'm really excited. I've always wanted to do one focused on Star Wars video games, so I'm glad all of you guys are here. Uh, shout out to the couple guys in the Cal Kestis costumes. If we could get a group photo with you guys at the end of the panel, that would be awesome. Um, and I was going to have us introduce ourselves with our, our name, talk about our podcast, because we're all Star Wars podcasters, and then talk about our favorite Star Wars video games. Um, and honestly, for me, it's kind of hard to decide right now at the moment, but it might be Jedi Survivor. It's, that's up there for sure. It's, I know recency bias is a thing, and I just finished the game, but it's incredible and definitely might be uh, my new favorite Star Wars game. So uh, what about you guys? Hey, everybody. My name's Tim Jirasi, and uh, in regards to favorite Star Wars game, I'm going to date myself here a little bit, but a lot of it's for nostalgia, but um, Super Empire Strikes Back on the Super <laughs> Nintendo. That game <laughs> blew me away the first time playing it, just how well it captured the entire movie and getting to play certain things that weren't in the movie, which is such a blast back then, and I still have very fond memories of that one, so I have to give that one, the edge to that one. Now, that's a name I've not heard in a long time. A long time. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Hunt. I am uh, one of the co-hosts of the Wampa's Lair podcast, and I am the casual gaming representative on the Jedi Council. Um, I am not a serious gamer, but I play... All the games I play are Star Wars games. <laughs> so I buy consoles for Star Wars games. I have not played Jedi Survivor because I don't have a console for it, but um, that doesn't prevent me from being on the panel, apparently. Uh, my favorite Star Wars game is either Jedi Fallen Order, uh, but I also have very, very fond memories of the original Rogue Squadron game for N64 and PC yes. back in the day. I want a remastered version of that. Thank you. Yeah. And if you would ask me my favorite Star Wars game before Jedi Survivor came out, depending on the day of the week, I would have either said KOTOR or Battlefront 2. So we've got to give some love to the, uh, the old classics as well. Um, but yeah, let's jump into this real quick, and uh, before we get started with talking about Jedi Survivor and the new stuff, we'll talk about um, just some of the recent history of Star Wars gaming over the last few years. Um, so obviously October 2012 was when Disney bought Lucasfilm and kind of this whole new era of Star Wars started. In April 2013, uh, <clears throat> Disney announced that it was shutting down LucasArts, which was the game Ooh. studio that was part of Lucasfilm at the time and developed a lot of those old classic Star Wars games. Um, and they canceled a couple of games that LucasArts had in development at that point, including Star Wars 1313 and Star Wars First Assault. I'm Everyone sure, cries. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of us remember that. That was kind of a turbulent time to be a, a Star Wars fan, and especially for Star Wars video games. We also had just come off of the cancellation of a Star Wars Battlefront 3. Um, so there was all this stuff that we were getting excited for that was then falling through the cracks, and it's like, oh no, what's going on? Uh, but then shortly after that, uh, Lucasfilm announced a 10-year exclusive licensing deal with EA to develop Star Wars games, uh, which excluded LEGO and mobile games because we also got a LEGO Star Wars game recently that was not from EA as well as some mobile games over those years. Um, but part of the reason I wanted to talk about this is because this year actually that, um, that licensing deal with EA is coming to an end. Those 10 years are up. And so there are now a lot of Star Wars games in development from other studios that are going to start popping up over the next few years. Which probably means more games in a smaller period of time. Yeah, and I mean, part of it was when they announced this 10-year deal with EA. EA has all these smaller studios kind of under their one big umbrella, and so we were expecting to get a lot of games during those 10 years. And we got a few, but not as many as some of us were hoping. Um, so we'll kind of go through some of those. Obviously, in uh, June of 2013, EA announced its first Star Wars game, which was a new Star Wars Battlefront game from their DICE studio. 
Um, and then here's sort of the timeline of the games that we got over those few years. We got Star Wars Battlefront released in 2015, Battlefront 2 released in 2017, uh, Jedi Fallen Order in 2019, and then Star Wars Squadrons was released in 2020, and Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga released last year. Um, and like I said, The Skywalker Saga was not an EA game, so we really got four, now five games with Jedi Survivor under that EA licensing deal. There also were several games that they had kind of started to get in development at some of their studios that ended up falling through. There were some canceled projects during that time as well. Uh, kind of the most notable one was a project at Visceral Games that went by the codename Project Ragtag. I don't know if that ever had sort of an official Star Wars title, but that was one that they were kind of hyping up a lot. It was supposed to be a third-person action-adventure game developed by uh, director Amy Hennig, who's uh, sort of a well-known developer who's worked on the Uncharted series. Um, and people were really excited to see what she could do with the Star Wars game, and that one ended up getting canceled, and there was a lot of sort of... It sounded like some mismanagement and things going on at EA that... Uh, unfortunately led to that game not happening. Um, we will talk a little bit more about her in a moment. There might be some hope on the horizon for that. But um, yeah, I don't know. Just looking at this timeline, I mean, obviously there were uh, some things that didn't happen. There were definitely are some good games up there. There are some games that um, had some controversy, had some issues that maybe got smoothed out later. Obviously, I think the thing with the first Star Wars Battlefront was uh, there was sort of a lack of content in that game. For how, I'm sure a lot of you played that one. It was a lot of fun, but only dealt with the original trilogy timeline and had very few maps and game modes when it launched. And they added a lot through paid DLC over the next couple of years. Um, and so that one didn't have the most positive reception. But I will say, Tim and I and a few other friends of ours, we had a blast playing that game when it first came out. And even for the, the limited amount of stuff that was in there, I mean, just being a huge fan of the original Battlefront games, getting to uh, jump on with friends and play a new Star Wars Online Battlefront game, I mean, we definitely made the most of that and had some good memories with that. Yeah, just because it's been such a long gap between Battlefront games, like you said, Battlefront 3 was canceled, and then the graphics on it just look so good. So we just like couldn't wait to experience Battlefront in a whole new way that we haven't before. So even though we repeated a lot of the same maps and modes, it was still a lot of fun to be had with that one. But yeah. And then of course we got Battlefront 2, which came out a couple years later. Much um, better. Well, it, it fixed a lot of the issues in the fact that when it first came out, it had a lot more content than the first Battlefront game. It had all three eras. We got to play uh, prequel trilogy, sequel trilogy. We got to play as heroes with lightsabers. We got to do space battles. But wrapped in all that was the loot box system and a progression system that was tied to the loot boxes and the microtransactions. And that was a mess and a PR disaster and got a lot of negative press and everything. Um, but, but then uh, they fixed it. Yeah, over time they fixed it. So if, you, if you're one of the people that maybe played that game when it first came out and wasn't really into it and you haven't given it another shot since then, I would definitely recommend uh, give that another go. That, it's a fantastic game in the state it's in now. It's just too bad it didn't launch that way. I still play it sometimes. I still do play it sometimes too. Yeah. I don't claim to be the best at it, but I will run circles around you in Starfighter Assault. I'll say that. <laughs> I will never be, claim to be the best at it, but it's still fun, even if you're getting killed a bunch of times, still being in those Star Wars environments. So are you the one who keeps killing me as a, in the Starfighter Assault? Is that, is that what that is? <laughs> Probably not, because recently, at least, I've been too busy playing Jedi Survivor, but maybe I've hit you in there a couple of times. Um, but then, of course, we had Jedi Fallen Order, um, which kicked off you know, the story that we're mainly here to talk about, um, and that's where we first got introduced to the story of Cal Kestis, set five years after Revenge of the Sith. Uh, Cal is you know, a Jedi Padawan who survived Order 66 and is now um, 
kind of meeting some new characters, coming into a, a new mission to continue his journey as a Jedi and kind of figure out his place in this new era and uh, find a way to survive and fight back against the Empire and continue being a Jedi. Um, Squadrons was also a pretty fun, uh, you know, flight-based, uh, you know, flight simulator game. Um, got to do some cool space battles and dogfights and stuff in there. But personally, I kind of prefer the ones in Battlefront where it's larger scale and you get to play all the different eras. Squadrons, again, was just original trilogy era. So that one was fun to play through the campaign and do a few multiplayer matches, but I didn't spend a ton of time on that one. Yeah, I was excited for Squadrons because I have good memories of playing the X-Wing versus TIE Fighter games. I heard that Squadron was going to be akin to those, and which it was for in certain aspects of it. But at the same time, it wasn't one I spent a lot of time on after finishing the campaign. The multiplayer, I felt, wasn't the best, but it's still just a cool Star Wars game to have in the collection as far as if you're looking for just aerial space combat stuff. Yeah, and it was, I mean, it, it was a little bit lighter on content, but also they charged like $40 for that one at release instead of 60 so they kind of didn't market it as like a full full-size game so I don't think too many people were disappointed with the amount of content in that one and I know some people really liked it who like kind of that more realistic simulator type of space shooter um, but then of course after that we got Lego Star Wars as well um, and it was fun to get a new Lego Star Wars game after all these years and that one also went through a lot of delays and was one that you know we were kind of hoping to get for a while but like I said that wasn't an EA game so um, that kind of brings that whole era to a close. Highlight of Lego Star Wars they brought back mumble mode. Yeah, they, well, yes, they because all the Lego, you know, the more recent Lego games, they've got the fully voiced cutscenes and everything, which I will say that was fun to play with, like, getting to see the Clone Wars voice actors voicing the characters in that game, acting out scenes from Revenge of the Sith and stuff. That was probably my favorite part of that. Um, but yeah, they got the mumble mode and all the, the unlockable Easter eggs and extras and stuff that you expect from a Lego game. Um, but yeah, so that was uh, the last game that we got back in, was it, I think it was 2022, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and then we get Jedi Survivor this year, uh, the long anticipated sequel to Jedi Fallen Order. Um, and my goodness, this game, uh, it's set five years after Fallen Order. So there's kind of a big time gap there, um, where the Mantis crew has now split up and, uh, you know, Cal and everybody are off on their own. Cal is with a different group fighting the Empire. Um, and you Again, we're going to give kind of general story overview here, but if you haven't played the game, this is stuff you find out within the first, you know, early minutes and stuff. Um, but yeah, they've split up. Cal is on his own and uh, very determined to fight the Empire, um, keep hitting them hard, and uh, that's sort of all he knows at this point is the fight. That's like the only way he knows how to survive. It's like the Empire is out here hurting people, doing bad things, and the only way that we can help is to try to put a dent in that. Um, and the other characters kind of have their own motivations. They've all kind of gone separate ways. Uh, there is also a tie-in novel called Jedi Battle Scars that explores uh, sort of the, some of those years in between Fallen Order and Survivor that um, doesn't show the crew splitting up, but kind of sets the table for that and explores more of their motivations and kind of lets you know when you play Survivor, it makes sense why those things happen the way they did. Um, but, of course, the story of the game revolves around Cal reuniting with his crew and having to kind of get the gang back together to search for a planet called Tantalor, which is a hidden world where they can live free of the Empire. So um, even though he starts off on his own at the beginning, we get to uh, eventually be reunited with all the old favorites um, as well as some new characters as well. But, uh, yeah, obviously without going into spoilers yet, especially Tim, I know Jason, we've, we've talked about the game. I've showed you some stuff to yep, prep you for yeah. being on the panel, but, um, Tim, since you've played it as well, what are some of your just kind of early impressions of the game and how you uh, felt when you first played it? 
Yeah, I mean, I try to keep spoiler free on most everything, but with this one, just watching the trailers and not really knowing much what's going to go on in the sequel. So I was a bit surprised when he wasn't with the Mantis crew at the start, and it was with this whole new crew that he's working with. But at the same time, it was like I really liked how they kicked off this game. It was like just such a great introduction to uh, Cal and BD1, who made a great <laughs> entry in the sequel, um, and just with the new crew he's with too. They had like a good. Uh, rapport with each other in that first mission was just a lot of fun to do and just knowing that eventually you're going to reunite with the other crew from the mantis was like this got you more excited to anticipate what's to come in the game but that first mission on coruscant was just i felt a great way to get you back into the gameplay the characters of the first game that we love so much it just got you super excited for what's to come in the rest of the game yeah, definitely. And like I said, I mean, we've got the the old returning characters up here. He reunites with Marin, with Grease, with Seer, and we get to kind of learn more about their history and what they've been up to over these past few years. Uh, we also get introduced to some new characters like Bo Dakuna, who's an ally to Cal with sort of the new group that he's with. Uh, we also have some new villains, including Dagon Gera, um, who's a Jedi from the High Republic era, and uh, the big guy there is Ravis, who's the leader of a band of mercenaries called the Bedlam Raiders. Um, so they're kind of the new new villains in the game and, uh, you know, leading the guys that Cal has to go up against and contend with in his, uh, his missions. Um, and we get some fun new characters introduced as well. Um, for those of you who've played, I know you're, you're probably familiar with characters like Doma Dendra, Turgle, and Skuva Stev, who you meet um, on the planet of Kobo, um, who you get to have some really fun interactions with. And this is one of the fun things about the game is just that it opens up the world more. I know in Fallen Order it was sort of linear, but there were a lot of sort of branching paths you could go to just explore off the beaten path, find a lot of collectibles and stuff. But this game has a little bit more of an open world element to it where you've got kind of this hub, especially there on, on the main planet of Kobo, you've got like a town called Rambler's Reach that acts as your hub where there's a cantina where you can interact with characters that you've met over your adventure and just have fun conversations with them. Um, some of them will give you side quests. Some of them have shops and things you can unlock or different activities you can do. Um, so it just feels like a more rich world with more stuff to do in it, more populated with more characters and stuff, and it's just a lot of fun to play around in. Yeah, so when you landed on Kobo for the first time, it has like this great cinematic where it just pans out and just shows you just how large this planet is going to be, and knowing that you're going to explore all that over the course of the game was just awesome. But to your point, I just loved how it did have that central hub in that town that you can grow as you progress in the game and encounter other characters, and then you can chat with them inside the cantina. I just love that aspect, because you had a little bit of that in the first one with the Mantis crew and the Mantis being your hub, but it was just expanded so much in Survivor in that cantina. It just had not only just forgetting new missions, but just fun conversations. I mean, I had to talk to Turgle every chance I got, because <laughs> his stories were the best, so where it's like, they should make those into games, or like DLC <laughs> content or something. <laughs> Yeah, I would, I would love to see some of those stories of Turgles play out in some form of media. But just sitting there and listening to, uh, to his misadventures that he's gotten up to or just the tall tales of Skuva Stev, it's just really fun getting to interact with those characters. Um, so yeah, there's lots more to explore, to collect, to customize. I think there's like four or five different main planets in the game that you visit, but they've all got lots of big areas to explore and stuff, so it's a lot of fun. So if anybody um, has an extra PS5 that wants to just <laughs> donate that to me so I can play this game, um, I would love that. Thank you. And lots more new customization options, too. I don't know why they felt the need to allow you to have Cal have a mullet in this game, but you can do that now. <laughs> so, no, not, you know, like the... the if, 
to each their own, I guess. Um, your mullet looks great, sir. Um, but you can do, I mean, you can give Cal a mullet, you can shave his head, you can give him a mustache, a beard, you know, all these different hairstyles and stuff. You can customize different parts of his outfit. Uh, he gets a blaster in the game. You can customize the blaster. You can customize the lightsaber. Um, and there's five different combat stances as well. So just lots more options for gameplay and the way that you, um, you know, take down certain enemies and uh, lots more just different abilities to learn with the lightsaber and stuff. So it's so much fun to play. And I think probably does the best job of any Star Wars game to date. And I mean, part of this is just with the, the new technology and the stuff they can do with these gaming engines and stuff now, but just the abilities and the options that you have to really feel like a powerful force wielder and uh, get to do all kinds of stuff with lightsabers and with the force that I think we've always sort of dreamed about and, and wanted to play out those fantasies. And this game just really delivers on that. Yeah, the customization stuff was another aspect of the game I was really excited about. Because I love that aspect in the game, especially in games like Mass Effect, where you can just really make the character your own and how they look. And the fact they added more for that with Cal was just really cool. I thought it would be a while for me to decide how his look was going to be, but as soon as I got the pre-order bonus of the Obi-Wan outfit, it was like, I had to stick with that one throughout the whole <laughs> game. So that's what I used for that. But also with the lightsaber combat, too, with just having all those different options and just having all the iconic lightsaber designs that we know, dual blade, double blade, the cross guard saber, which is really cool to have those there and just to, for you to mess around and to choose what style fits your play the best and just to experiment with just what made the game so much fun too. Yeah. Now, which, which lightsaber styles did you stick with the most? It was single blade and then the duel for a while. But then when I got the cross guard, it was like I had this – has that one as my secondary, but I stick with the single blade as my primary. That's so basic. <laughs> I refuse to use the blaster one because, as Obi-Wan says, it is so uncivilized. The blaster one is so much fun, though. Um, I would say my... my so probably, uncivilized. Probably my main one was the double-bladed lightsaber, and the thing that I appreciated about this game, because you could use a double-bladed lightsaber in the first game, and it was good for, like, when you had big groups of enemies around you and you could kind of hit all of them, but for going one-on-one -on -one against bosses and stuff, that thing hit like a wet noodle. It's like <laughs> you could get lots of fast hits in, but they all did teeny amounts of damage, and I feel like this time they made the double-bladed saber stronger um, while it's also still good for cr uh, crowd control and deflecting a lot of blaster shots and stuff. So that was probably the main one I used, and then I used the blaster stance a lot. I think that was fun. I don't care if it's so uncivilized. <laughs> this is a time when there is no Jedi Order, so Cal can make his own rules. But Cal's supposed to be bringing back the Jedi Order, so why would he bring it back that's, less civilized than it used to be? <laughs> in the first game, they were more focused on restoring the Jedi Order. In the second game, it's just he's out there to take down the Empire. And um, I don't know, those goals kind of shift and change a little bit over the course of the game, which we can get to kind of in the spoiler section, but... Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Needless to say, if you haven't checked out the game yet, we highly recommend it. Um, and yeah, like I said, for me, I think it might be a new favorite Star Wars game. I already can't wait to play it again. I finished it on my PS5. I've got to play God of War Ragnarok now because I haven't played that yet. I just got a, a PS5 for Christmas this year, so I've got a lot of PlayStation games to catch up on. I switched over from Xbox. I'm a recent convert, so... Uh, Got to catch up on God of War and uh, Horizon Zero Dawn and the Spider-Man games and all that stuff. But I think I'm going to do God of War Ragnarok and then go back and do New Game Plus and do another playthrough on Survivor because I just can't wait to experience that story again. Um, but we're going to kind of leave it at that for the spoiler-free review of the game because it's hard to talk more about the story without getting into some spoiler details. Um, so let's talk about what's next and uh, what's coming up uh, for Star Wars games that are in development. Uh, first and foremost, we've got this game called Star Wars Hunters. 
um, that's developed by uh, the studio Zynga and Natural Motion. And this is an online multiplayer arena game that's being developed for uh, the Nintendo Switch and mobile devices. Um, we're not going to talk too much about mobile games, but I brought this one up specifically because it's also coming to the Switch. And because this is one that's been in development for a while, I think this was originally supposed to come out in 2022, and it's been delayed multiple times. Uh, but it's also been soft-launched in a few countries, so like, there's some gameplay footage out there of it from people who've gotten to test it and stuff. So hopefully this one should come out soon. Um, this looks like something that, you know, especially if it comes out for mobile, I'll probably at least download it and give it a try. Sorry, I don't know why this projector's freaking out, but... Um, looks like a kind of fun, like competitive online arena battle game uh, with some fun characters. So I don't know if you, you're going to try to check that one out at all. Honestly, it keeps falling off my radar and kind of almost forgetting that it's there. But. It does for me, too. As I was putting this together, I was like, oh, yeah, Star Wars Hunters. Got to include that in. When, once I see it out, I'll definitely give it a shot. It's a yeah. Star Wars game. You have yeah. to. I'm that type of Star Wars gamer that I'll try anything once. Um, now, this is the one that I'm sure a lot of us in here are probably most excited for, which is the Knights of the Old Republic remake. Um, this was announced in September 2021. Now, unfortunately, there have been some issues and some changes behind the scenes with this project. Uh, when it was originally announced, it was being developed by uh, the game company Aspire, which um, they've done a lot of like ports and remasters and stuff of older Star Wars games, and this was going to be their first time really kind of doing a big development project on their own game. Um, and they were working on the game. They had some demos and stuff made that apparently certain executives at like Disney or Sony like weren't happy with. Um, and so uh, the parent company of Aspire took that project away from them. They kind of put it on pause for a while, but now they've got another studio called Saber Interactive that's working on it. Um, we hadn't really heard any news about it for a while, which led some people to believe, oh, maybe this is in trouble or maybe it's going to get canceled or something. But it actually was just recently announced uh, by the parent company. It's called Embracer Group, the, the company that owns the studio. Um, recently had like an investor call or something where they did confirm that this project is still in development. Um, so hopefully we'll get some news about that soon. I don't know when is maybe a realistic timeline that we're going to be able to play this, but I mean, Knights of the Old Republic is one of my all-time favorite games, and uh, I mean, as much as I love it, we got to admit, like, the game's kind of dated in terms of just the graphics and the gameplay and stuff, and so to get to play that story and those characters, but with modern graphics and modern, you know, like the type of lightsaber combat gameplay that we get to play in Fallen Order or something like that um, would just be incredible. Yeah, I'm also curious to be what type of remake is it going to be? Just like the same combat style and everything from the original game, just updated with newer graphics, or something more like Final Fantasy VII remake, where they change a lot of the combat story-wise, even too, to make it into the main canon this time, um, with characters like Revan and Malak and how they fit into the overall canon that's being established now. So, I mean, as you said, the game is begging for a remake. It's been for a while since it probably should have, but I think it's going to be one that'll be worth the wait when it eventually does get a release date and we start seeing more footage trailers and all that stuff for it because it just yeah. has the potential to be like a really special remake for what's already a special game yeah but it's one thing we do know with with games in general and star wars games it seems in particular is that whenever you get a release date add a year or two to it before you really get to play it so yeah and it's unfortunate too because they never announced a release date for this game but i mean this year 2023 is the 20 year anniversary of the original knights of the old republic so i have to believe they probably were targeting this year initially before they started having all these issues um so hopefully we'll get it next year or maybe the year after but i'm just hoping we don't have to take too long but also i'm fine with them taking as long as they need to make it good like that's the main thing you can't wait all this time to release a kotor remake and then have it 
not live up to the standard of uh, how great the original game is. But um, the next one we're going to talk about is Star Wars Eclipse. Uh, that's being developed by Quantic Dream. Um, I don't know how many of you have seen. There's a trailer that they put out for this one that came out a couple years ago. The trailer looks really cool. I have it, no idea what the game's about, but it looks really cool. Exactly. <laughs> I, that was kind of the thing when it was announced. And, um, I mean, it's set in the High Republic era. They announced it as an action-adventure, multiple-character, branching narrative game set in the High Republic era of the Star Wars Galaxy. And this was announced back in December 2021. Again, we haven't really heard anything on this since then, so we don't really have a, an idea of how far along they are or when this game is coming out. Um, but unfortunately, that studio has also had some issues. There have been some things at Quantic Dream where uh, there's been you know, some, some trouble behind the scenes where some executives have gotten in some hot water for some problematic comments and things like that. There have been issues with like, toxic work culture and them having issues hiring people to fill the teams to make this game. Um, and so I've heard some like rumblings behind the scenes, insider reports kind of things that this game might still be a while off. Um, the, the studio Quantic Dream was acquired by a new parent company, NetEase, last year in 2022. So maybe they'll be able to get some more funding or smooth out some of those issues. Um, but I hope they're able to to right the ship and kind of get this one going in a good direction. Because, again, from that trailer, it the trailer looks really cool. But, like, you're right, Jason. It doesn't really tell us anything about what the game is about nope. aside from just sort of the time period that it's set in and some of the sort of locations and some really, action type stuff that we might be, be able to look forward to. Some really freaky looking gray dudes banging on drums. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm definitely excited to check that one out when uh, whenever that comes around. Um, there's also an untitled open-world Star Wars game in development from uh, Ubisoft Massive Studio. Um, this one I've heard some things about recently that this might be closer than we're, uh, you know, maybe than some people were expecting. This might be the next Star Wars game coming out. Um, maybe next year sometime. Maybe even late this year, although I would be surprised by that. But um, obviously we're, we're heading into that summer season where like E3, the big video game convention would be right around this time. Um, but E3 is not happening this year, but you've got all these studios instead doing their own showcases and stuff, talking about upcoming games that they're working on. So I wouldn't be surprised if within the next month at a, a PlayStation or Xbox showcase, or I know there's a big summer games showcase thing that's happening, um, that they might announce a trailer or something for this, but this is one to keep an eye on as maybe the next Star Wars game coming down the pipeline. And I know uh, people have been asking for like an open world Star Wars game for a long time, especially with a lot of the successful ones recently, like the Red Dead Redemption games and stuff like that. Um, Grand Theft Auto and stuff. It's, you know, a really popular style of game right now that would be really fun to play in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. You I could just completely ignore the entire quest and just live as a person forever. I have a very <laughs> specific hope for this game, which I probably shouldn't get my hopes up too much, but I think if they kind of tell a Mandalorian prequel story before the series starts where it's open world, like you said, Red Dead Redemption, but you're playing as Din Djarin, it's set in the Star Wars universe. I mean, they even compared Mandalorian to like a Western type story and to have that as a video game and a new story with that, I think would be really cool. If that's what this game ends up being. That would be pretty awesome. Um, or yeah. at least something along those lines, maybe being able to play as a bounty hunter and you can customize your character to where mm -hmm. they are a Mandalorian or at least wear Mandalorian armor or go down some other kind of path. Cad Bane. Yeah, Sorry. but the, the possibilities are endless with what you could do with a Star Wars open world game. So I'm excited for that one. 
Um, we've also got uh, two other games coming in development from Respawn, which is the uh, the same studio that did Jedi Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor. A couple of years ago, they announced that they had three games in development, one of which was Jedi Survivor. Another is a new first-person shooter title um, that I don't believe is going to be a new Battlefront game. They talked about this being a story-driven, single-player experience. Um, that wasn't really a, an announcement, but more according to like some job listings that people have found of them hiring people for this project. Um, the game director is a guy named Peter Hirschman, who was also involved in some of the early Medal of Honor games and the original Star Wars Battlefront games, so he's got some cred there with, uh, you know, great shooter games. I'm sure it'll probably at least have a multiplayer component, yeah. but there's been some speculation that this might be something more along the lines of, like, Republic Commando or even, like, the Jedi Knight or Dark Forces games where, uh, it's got, it's like a, a single-player story game, but with that first-person shooter element to it, so really interested to see what that ends up being as well. A Republic Commando sequel would be amazing. <laughs> Imperial, Commando, Imperial Commando, Republic Commando 2, where's Sev? He's still out there. Oh. Like, that, that definitely could be a cool way to go. Or you could just, you know, go back to the Clone Wars and just do Republic Commando except with Captain Rex. Or with or the Bad Batch. Bad Batch or, or yeah. you know, Fives and all of them. So, you know. I kind of have a hard time believing at this point that, I mean, Clone Wars is already over and the Bad Batch is about to be over with their final season. I don't think they would go back and do a Clone Wars-focused game, but I would be all for that. So I'm happy to be proven wrong. Um, and then Respawn is also making a uh, strategy game as well with a studio called Bit Reactor. Um, that's a new studio formed by uh, former developers from the XCOM and Civilization franchises, which obviously are some iconic strategy games. So um, excited to see what those guys do with the Star Wars game as well. Again, not really any more details on it other than that, but that's uh, something... It's happening! It's been a while since we've had a good Star Wars strategy game with like Empire at War and some of those yeah. old PC games from the 90s and 2000s. So um, I Galactic Battlegrounds, I played the hell out of that game so that i would love to have one. a new updated version because the one i've got is not working very well yeah and again you know you think about sort of like the mid 2000s early 2000s and just the huge variety of star wars games we were getting back at that time you know with shooters rpgs single player games multiplayer games um and to racing think of games racing games yeah give us another pod racing yes. game with like the modern technology man to think of you know what we can do with the modern consoles and graphics and stuff and all the different types of star wars games and things you could play in that pod universe. racing game but the same style as the burnout games i yeah. always thought would be amazing yeah um and then the uh last upcoming game that we know about so far is a untitled action adventure game coming from a studio called skydance new media now i mentioned earlier that there's a, a famous game director named amy henning who was working on a game under ea and that game fell through well now she has gone and created her own studio called skydance new media and they have a new partnership with lucasfilm to develop games so she's making a game with them i don't know if she's going back to the same game that she was trying to make with ea the first time around um, but hopefully that partnership will work out a lot better, and she's obviously going to probably have more creative control having her own studio. Um, again, we don't really know anything about the game aside from the fact that they announced it as a richly cinematic action-adventure game featuring an original story in the Star Wars universe. So, Which tells us absolutely nothing. Yeah, except that it's going to be cool and look pretty, hopefully, but <laughs> that's kind of all video games nowadays. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, really excited for for all of these. Hopefully, you know, we're going to be start starting to get some more details about this stuff, see some trailers over the coming months and years. And uh, again, now that that partnership with EA is over, over these next few years, we'll be getting hopefully a lot more Star Wars games coming from a lot more studios and get um, just a lot more different types of games um, that we'll be able to kind of explore some different things in the Star Wars universe. So um, that's all the upcoming stuff. At this point, we will take questions. If anybody has yeah. questions about Survivor, about any of the upcoming stuff we just Before talked about. Before we get into the spoiler discussion. Yes. Which is upcoming. <laughs> which is where I will learn everything I need to know about the game. Yeah. I did see one hand up in the back earlier. Yes. Yes, sir. Uh, so it's about the So that's a good question. He's asking if uh, if there are going to be major changes to the story in the KOTOR remake or if they're going to keep it pretty faithful to the original and if they're going to make any changes to make it sort of fit with the new canon or just kind of keep it as its own Legends thing. Um, and I did hear that when this the project was originally in development at Aspire that they were trying to make it pretty faithful to the original. I think they were maybe going to include a little bit of new content, but maybe just some stuff that fleshed out, like filled in some gaps or fleshed out some character backstories more. Um, since it changed studios, nobody really knows what's going on with it. They've, they've kept a real tight lid on it. Um, and as far as it being adapted into canon, we don't really know much about that either. I would imagine that they might say this is canon now. Um, just because since the, the Disney era, they've said, you know, all the old stuff is Legends. Going forward, everything we release is canon. And they did actually um, release a new sort of canon timeline at Star Wars Celebration this year that was more for the movies and shows and stuff, but it kind of had it broken down by eras of stuff they, that they're going to be telling, you know, having this new content take place in. And one of the eras on that timeline was the Old Republic, which had not really been sort of officially acknowledged as canon before, and so that leads us to believe that, if anything, at some point they're planning on doing some canon stuff in the Old Republic era. Um, so if nothing else, yeah, hopefully when that Kotor game comes out, um, they might say, hey, this is canon now, but we'll just have to wait and see. Any other questions? Any other questions? Anybody else? Oh, yes. Yes, good question. So he's asking if there will be a third Jedi uh, a sequel to Jedi Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor now that the EA contract has ended. And I should have mentioned it was it's their exclusivity license that's ended. So EA can still make Star Wars games. And as I mentioned, there's there's those couple of games in development from Respawn. They are still owned by EA. Um, so EA can still make Star Wars games as well. It's just they no longer have the exclusive license to be the only game, uh, the only studio that can make these big AAA Star Wars games. And in fact, the director for Jedi Survivor has said that he wants it to be a trilogy. I don't think they've officially announced the third game yet, but as we're about to get into talking about spoilers in a minute, the game definitely ends at a point where there's got to be more after this. You can't just leave us hanging right here. So let's I think not have another uh, force unleashed situation where we make two and leave us hanging. There never should have been a force unleashed two in the first place, but no. that's a topic for another day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the 
See, for Force Unleashed one, 2, I, I would I, I would say opposite for Force Unleashed 2. The gameplay was cool, but the story resurrecting Starkiller as a clone when you had a good ending of killing him off at the end of the first game, that like I I thought that was unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, don't get me started on that either. I could do a whole other panel on <laughs> Palpatine coming back. Yes, sir. <laughs> do I think they're going to and do I want them to are two very different questions. Um, no, I mean, as far as we know, like I said, I don't think the, the new shooter game from Respawn is going to be a Battlefront game. It could be. It could be another reboot of the franchise. I think DICE is done with it. A lot of the developers that worked on Battlefront 2 have moved on to other things. Um, and, of course... Uh, DICE was continuing to support that game after it came out with fixes and patches and new DLC and stuff, and then EA made them shut that down and moved a lot of that team over to work on the next Battlefield game that was coming out after that. So that core Battlefront team isn't really there anymore, so I... I don't see them doing a Battlefront 3 anytime soon, at least. I hope that someday somebody comes back around to it, unless they... Um, kind of kick off a new Star Wars shooter franchise that just kind of takes the place of Battlefront um, and it's kind of a spiritual successor to it. But I would love to see it happen. I just don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. When we get PlayStation 6, they'll make Battlefront again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, sir, in the back. Um, so I, don't, I remember you guys said when you played Battlefield 2, did you okay. ever get the Darth Maul skin, like the legacy the, one? The, the Rebels one that you have to... That you have to get 5,000 kills as a dark side hero? <laughs> no. I wish I did. That's like the only one that I haven't unlocked yet. It takes forever. Yes, sir. Um, good question. Thoughts on VR Star Wars games. I have played Vader Immortal. Um, at least I think I've played the first two chapters. I haven't played all three. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's really cool. That's a cool medium that they can go into. Honestly, for me, like I have a, uh, an Oculus Quest or Meta Quest or whatever they call it now. I don't use it a whole lot because I kind of prefer to just sit down and play traditional games with a, a controller and stuff. But the VR stuff is fun to play around with and just kind of experience some new things. Um, so if they were to really push into that and, you know, develop like a, a full length 20 hour Star Wars story game or something like that, that could be a cool experience, but also I don't know how many people would really be into it. Um, I know they're coming out with a new like Quest 3 headset this year, so I'm sure there's, there's more technological capabilities and maybe they're going to try to keep pushing that. So yeah, we'll see. There's definitely more they could do with that in the future. I did not play Squadrons in VR. I think that was only on... That wasn't on the Quest. I think that was only on the, the PlayStation VR, um, which I, I still don't have. And I didn't no. have a PlayStation at the time. Like I said, I'm a new Xbox convert, so... Oh, okay. Nice. Oh, yeah. See, I'm not a big PC gamer either, but... Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It seemed like the kind of thing that would be really cool to play in VR. Yes, sir. Yes. Comments? <laughs> because that seems like very big. You have to say, like, of course you can do all this cool stuff unless you're actually in the movies, and then it kind of sucks. Well, <laughs> 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 
Well, well, here, here's what it is: is the force is you know this thing in the movies and the TV show, and then because it's a video game, they have to just amp it up to eleven, <laughs> uh, which is totally fine. Um, but you know, if, if you're gonna have everything kind of, you know, it's different mediums, so it's different strokes for different mediums. I think yeah. is really kind of the. I, mean, I, I know this is it a, can do whatever the story wants it to do. That's exactly that what I was what, gonna say. I know it's that's like a, it's like light speed. Light speed takes as long as the story needs it to. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. It's a good answer. Yes. And I think part of the point of video games too, even though they're telling canon stories, is also to kind of let you play out those fantasies of like watching the movies and thinking about the possibilities of what you could do with the force. Um, so even if you might not see Obi-Wan doing 10 pushes and, you know, throwing enemies all around a room, you can do that in the video game if you want just to play around and have fun with it. Um, all right, we'll take two more questions, and then we're going to move on to talking spoilers for Jedi Survivor. So last we'll have chance, more questions on last that Last chance afterwards. to vacate the premises. Uh, yes. Least that one's our, easy. What are our least favorite Star Wars games? Um, well, Tim, you said that's easy for you, so go ahead. Star Wars Connect. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, I have not played Star Wars Connect. I have not either. Um, that's a hard one for me because I tend to, I mean, I enjoy a lot of Star Wars games. Obviously, some are better than others. Um, but the ones like Star Wars Connect that get terrible reviews, I tend to kind of just stay away from and go, oh, maybe that one's not worth my time. Um, the, the first one that comes to mind for me is The Force Unleashed 2 because I, mean, I liked the first one. The second one is like four hours long. <laughs> Didn't need to happen because, you know, the, you killed off the main character at the end of the first game and then bring him back as a clone just because you're like, oh, that game made money, so we should make a second one, but our main character's dead. What do we do? Uh, somehow Starkiller returned. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, and, and they, they cranked it out in like a year, made it like a four-hour-long game and left it on a cliffhanger that they never got to finish. So I'm just like, if I had to erase one Star Wars game from existence, I wouldn't miss that one. Um, I'd say maybe the Clone Wars game that came out for the Wii. Um, that was just so clunky and awkward. That's there was the, I tried to like it. The, li the lightsaber duel fighting one? Yes, the lightsaber duels. That's also a good answer. Uh, yeah. Um, we had one more question. Where, yes, sir. So with one of them, the I mean, we know nothing, so anything's yeah. possible. We, we don't really know. I mean, it certainly could be. We know that 1313 was going to be about Boba Fett, so maybe they'll come back around to doing a, a young Boba Fett game set in that era. I or, think the Shadows of the Empire remake would be cool, too. That would be pretty cool. I never got to play that one. All right, um, spoilers. Okay. If you let's are, talk. It's your last chance to avoid spoilers for Jedi Survivor. Yeah, let's, let's talk Jedi Survivor. Now, we're going to start off with my, uh, the first slide here is not a, a huge spoiler, but just kind of going deeper into the story a little bit. Um, <laughs> 
Um, well, like I said, this, this is the one where we can kind of start talking about the story without getting too deep into spoilers for people that are still walking out. But, uh, the quest for Tantalor, like I said, we've got, uh, Dagon Gera, who's this Jedi that Cal finds suspended in a Bacta tank, um, and has, you know, has his force visions where he sees Dagon's life during the, the High Republic era. And Dagon was obsessed with finding this planet called Tantalor that was this, hidden paradise that was really hard to get to and he wanted it to be like a new haven for the Jedi to build a temple there and everything. Um, and this obsession with it kind of drove him off the deep end when the rest of the Jedi said, no, this is too dangerous. We have to give up on it. And he started turning against other Jedi that, you know, stood in his way and tried to stop him. Um, I thought it was really cool seeing this much influence from the High Republic era in the game. Yeah. I, this is, you know, one of the, the things that they're doing a lot with in the publishing right now in the books. Um, and I didn't expect it to play this much of a, a role in the story, even seeing the Nile, which are like the main enemies from the High Republic books and stuff, um, showing up on Tantalor briefly. Um, but yeah, his whole his whole backstory and, and quest revolving around this planet I thought was really cool. Yeah, that was one of the things I was excited about stories-wise from the trailer with Dagon as being the villain was just seeing what he thought of the galaxy right now with the Empire. And it's that dialogue he has of like, how can you let this... Empire take control of the galaxy. Like, what did you do as Jedi to let this happen and just kind of see how terrible things are now and just what's really driving his motivation um, to continue his quest for Tantalor as he's re reawakened in that. What was an awesome cinematic, I thought. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was a really cool cinematic seeing, uh, you know, again, seeing Cal sort of almost accidentally like inject himself into Dagon's memories. Like, you're walking around as Cal in these uh, sort of these scenes with Dagon on Tantalor and then in the midst of kind of his darkest hour, Dagon like er, turns right to the camera and is like, you're not supposed to be here. And then it cuts to the present day and he's there in the tank telling Cal, hey, you know, release me. <laughs> um, and then we see him get to bleed a kyber crystal from his lightsaber. You know, he had a yellow lightsaber and he takes the crystal out and turns it red, basically being like, man, I'm done with the Jedi. They turned against me, like kind of has his full on going evil moment. Um, but that's something that we've seen in the comics and read about in the books and stuff like how the, the Sith will take a Jedi lightsaber crystal and corrupt it and turn it red and seeing it sort of play out on screen for the first time was really cool too. Um, but then of course, we'll start getting into some of the stuff in the end of the game now, because you, you go on this whole quest, you're, you're hunting down clues for Tantalor. Um, you eventually defeat Dagon to get this compass that he has that points you to the final location of the planet and the way to navigate through the Kobo Abyss, which is like this, this space anomaly around the planet that makes it really hard to get to. And you're like, okay, is that it? Do we, do we go back to Seer and Marin and uh, everybody you know, goes off to Tantalor and we live happily ever after? No. No. Because Bode, your friend who joined you on your quest, and... Uh, <laughs> endeared himself to everybody he was he seems like a good dad just wants to protect his daughter is a good friend to cal gives him a blaster helps him out on missions he's pushing him like hey that Marin's pretty cute like i think she likes you i think you like her like you guys should do something about that and cal's like i don't know man the jedi way bodes like jedi are gone go, go live your life you know be happy do your thing and then kills Eno Cordova, takes the compass for himself, brings the Empire down on everybody's head. That was such a big twist that I did not see coming at all. I know some people that are like, oh, I didn't trust him from the start. I'm like, I maybe didn't quite trust him right from the beginning, but I definitely came to trust him more over the course of the game. And then when this all went down, I was just like, gutted. 
And if that twist wasn't enough, oh, by the way, he's a Jedi as well. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, we found another one who escaped Order 66. Yeah. How many is that now? It's a lot. A few, a few. And they're all in this game. Not all of them, but there's quite a few. <laughs> no, well, one thing that I really liked about this game is um, kind of exploring the theme of, like, what it means to be a survivor, how you go about sort of doing what it takes to survive. Because um, when they first announced the, the title of Jedi Survivor, I was like, that's kind of basic. Like, we know Cal is a Jedi survivor, but then we started seeing, like, the trailers with Dagon, and we're like, oh, maybe this guy is also a survivor from a different era, and we can kind of contrast, like, him and Cal. But then you also have Seer and Eno Cordova from the first game, who we find out is still alive in this game, until this happens. Um, <laughs> but, until you know, like, so, so, you get, so you get Cal and his mission of fighting the Empire. You have Dagon and his obsession and how he sort of went off the deep end. You have... Uh, Seer and Cordova, and they're more focused on building for the future and building a legacy. Um, and then you have Bode, who is a Jedi survivor, and kind of he, he, in desperation, you know, lost his wife to the Empire and essentially turned himself in and said, Hey, just keep my daughter safe, stay off my back. And we also find out he wanted to know the identity of the, in- the Inquisitor that killed his wife so he could get revenge. Um, but offered his services to the Empire in exchange as a sort of an information agent. Um, And that turns out to be, you know, when you have a a double agent working for the ISB who's also got, you know, Jedi powers, turns into a very formidable foe there at the end of the game. Yeah, it really was a gut punch when that happened in the course of the game because it was cool that you saw their first meeting and the very first mission you have at the start. And you just really felt the bond that they built over the course of the game and the different missions they took. So, and it really took me by surprise when I got to that moment. I was not expecting it. I was like, I knew something had, there had to be a new main antagonist in the game because Dagon was defeated pretty early on. Like, I know this can't be the end of the game just yet. So I was expecting someone else to take over that role, but was not expecting it to be Bode. Yeah. And we'll, we'll take a couple more questions when we finish uh, the talking about the spoilers here at the end. But um, of course, we find out that Bode is a surprised villain that we have to take on at the end. But he's not the only one. Because this guy's back, too. Um, for one of the hardest and yet coolest and most rewarding boss fights I have ever played in a video game. Um, but also this whole sequence where you get to play as Seer um, was just Amazing. so <laughs> cool to get to... I mean, to see her lightsaber skills and force powers like on a whole nother level from Cal's. Um, and, you know, for most of the game, she's been kind of the, the peacemaker and the, the Jedi lore master that's trying to gather all these relics and these ancient texts and stuff. And while Cal is out fighting, again, she's like, no, we need to focus on restoring the order and building up this legacy for the Jedi and stuff for, you know, the ones that come after us. Um, but then it's always final- the librarians you got to watch out for. Yeah, yeah. No, when, when she finally gets to put her skills and her powers to the test, uh, she certainly is a force to be reckoned with, but... Vader is a bigger force to be reckoned with. Um, and man, I mean, that duel was just brutal. It was so hard, but it was so much fun. Every time I got killed by Vader, I was just like, well, yeah, like it's, it's cool getting killed by Darth Vader because that's something that would happen to you in Star Wars. Um, and then when you finally beat the fight, of course, you know, it's, it's really wo- rewarding, but also really sad when you see, you know, this final cutscene of Seer dying and um, Cal coming to find her. I don't know if, if all of you guys caught this, but when she's dying and Cal's like holding her in his arms, but the this image around is kind of like distorted and like they're in that library that's burning, but then it goes to where like it's all burned out. Um, 
I, the way that I've seen people interpret this, and I think it makes a lot of sense, Cal doesn't actually get there like right after she gets stabbed and falls. He gets there later, and the whole sequence that you're seeing, like that you're and playing as Seer, is Cal experiencing that at, through her memories. Um, because, you know, he has that power to like touch objects or I, I guess people, because there's points in the game where you find skeletons or dead bodies or whatever, and you touch them and find out what happened to them. Um, so it's like the that echoes. whole sequence of playing is here is Cal experiencing her memories up to the point of Vader killing her um, and, you know, seeing her, her last moments and her last words being thinking of him and uh, her form, former Padawan Trilla. Um, so, man, yeah, it was just an absolutely brutal scene. This is not a happy game. Like, the, <laughs> it's pretty cool up to the point where you kill Dagon and you're like, all right, we're off to Tantalor and, and, you know, Cal and Boat are buddies and him and Marin are getting together. It's that great uh, campfire scene before all this happens. Yeah, happened. yeah. Um, so I keep banging on the table. I think it's making the, the projector freak out. But, um, yeah, it was like, you know, you think you're going to get that happy ending and then they, they pull the rug out from under you and the last couple hours of the game are just sad, but it's some great story content. It's the second part of the trilogy. Everything has to suck at the end. It really is. <laughs> I, like, I didn't even think about that going in or really as I was playing it, but as I was kind of reflecting on it afterwards... Because um, I'll be honest, like I, I absolutely love the game, but I think the ending kind of took me a couple days to think about and process. At first, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. And then I was like, no, this is really good. Like, it doesn't resolve everything, but there's going to be another game. They're leaving some stuff to explore in the next game. And it really is that. I know it's sort of cliche when people say, like, oh, the, the second movie's got to be like The Empire Strikes Back, where it's, it's bigger and better and explores the characters more and it's darker and stuff. Um, but this really was sort of the epitome of like that darker middle chapter that really kind of puts all of the characters through, uh, you know, test them to their limits and, and facing their biggest challenges. Um, but of course, not everything is sad. The game's got its happy moments as well. Um, and we get to finally see Cal and Marin together. I love them together from the first game and uh, was hoping we'd get to explore a lot more of that relationship here in the second game. And they certainly have... Uh, some sweet, tender moments, even if it's pushed along by Bode and we find out that, like, that was him sort of trying to manipulate Cal and get him to go along with what he wanted. Um, but I also love how, I'll jump right to this last one, too, where we see Cal giving into the dark side, um, but Marin kind of being able to be his rock and his anchor and the one that pulls him back from the brink a couple of times. I love that sort of dichotomy of him being a Jedi, her being a Night Sister, her being the one raised on Dathomir with these kind of evil witches that do these, you know, magic powers that are kind of based in the dark side of the Force. And yet she's the one that's been able to find balance in herself and pull Cal back from the dark side when he's supposed to be the Jedi that's balanced and resisting the dark side and stuff. And her being able to, one, to be the one that sort of helps him come back from that, I thought was just a really cool relationship dynamic. Yeah, and one thing I'll say about Cal and Marin, they teamed up for one of the coolest video game sequences I've ever played. Yes. It was just incredible. And yeah, my mouth was almost on the floor after playing that. I, was like, I think my mouth was on the floor after playing that as you're flying through those temple ruins of Jeddah, jumping through the magic portals that she creates, and uh, eventually taking down that big imperial. TIE fighters flying at you. Well, yeah, TIE fighters flying at you, but. Um, and it's the big, what, like, trident droid that, um, like, those the originated separatists? in... Huh? The separatist trident droid? Yeah, yeah, the ones that originated in Clone Wars. You see them, like, drilling into Kamino. Um, and the separate uh, the Empire has repurposed one for just kind of being this big excavation machine. But it's, you know, throwing its claws at you and stuff. And to see Cal and Marin eventually just dismantle that uh, with a, a combination of their force powers and Night Sister magic was just, like... 
again, seeing them together in the first game, we kind of got a glimpse of what that potential would be uh, when they took down Malikos together, and Marin helps you out in that fight, but this is just on such a bigger scale. And uh, yeah, I, I love those two together, just their relationship as characters, but also seeing those two powers work in tandem together. They really are a Star Wars power couple. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, but like I said, it, it, the game kind of leaves off on an uncertain note. Like Cal, unfortunately, has to kill Bode um, and uh, you know leaves his, his daughter Kata an orphan and sort of in the same position that he and Marin know all too well of being young and alone um, in this galaxy and kind of having to find your own way to survive. And so they take her in along with Grease, who thankfully survives. I love that moment towards the end of the game when they're going to Tantalor and they're jumping through hyperspace and Grease is just screaming and then they come out of hyperspace and Grease is still screaming and Cal and Marin kiss and Grease is still screaming and Marin slaps him. Um, <laughs> And so just getting to see at least those guys make it through together as a sort of a, a new little family unit. Um, obviously, you know, big theme of found family in these games, and we're going to see that continue. Um, but Cal, you know, facing, facing, you know, some dark times here, having to say goodbye to Seer and Eno Cordova. And I think even Bode, like, he doesn't want to have to kill Bode. I think part of him would have liked to still have him as a friend, but um, it just didn't work out. But, uh, yeah, having to sort of move on from that and that very final scene being him, um, you know, sort of talking to Seer's grave and saying, like, I'm scared and I don't know what to do next and I don't know where to go from here. And he hears a, a vision of Seer from the forest saying, guide her through the darkness. Um, so I think we're going to get, like, I'm, I'm really excited to see them continue the story in the next game, see Cal and Marin hopefully continue their relationship, continue working together to fight against the Empire to raise Kata and keep her safe. I wonder if her being Bode's daughter and he's a Jedi, if she might be Force-sensitive. and Probably. Especially if... You're training her she, in next game. She, yeah, she seems like she might be 10 or 11, so if they did another time jump another few years ahead, she'd be around the same age that Cal was as a Jedi Padawan, and maybe that's his you know, sort of full circle moment is him becoming a master and having to, to teach a Padawan of his own and, and sort of help someone else survive through this time period. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see. Also, I mean, even the issue of him uh, struggling with the dark side is not really fully resolved. Like there, like I said, there's a couple of times where Marin pulls him back from the brink. As he's talking to Seer, he says, like, I almost lost myself as if this is something that's now behind him. Um, but like if any of you have kept playing after you, after the credits roll and you can keep playing and exploring and stuff, you still got that dark side power, you know, your main sort of ultimate ability. That's the force slow that then becomes the, the dark side rage kind of thing. Like that sticks with you through the whole rest of the game. So, um, I think maybe we'll pick up the next game with Cal still kind of struggling with that darkness. And again, it's sort of coming full circle because Seer was struggling with that same darkness in herself in the first game. And that's why she cut herself off from the force. So it's now, how does Cal deal with that and where does he go from here? So lots more to look forward to. I'm really excited for, I know, I know it's going to be probably a three or four year wait again, but um, to see the, the final game in the series and uh, see how they wrap up this trilogy. I love these characters. I love this story and I can't wait to see more of it. Again, if anybody has an extra PS5 that they just want to <laughs> donate to me so I can play this game, I would, I would be greatly appreciative. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. The, you mean like the uh, the connection to A New Hope when Leia kisses Luke and says for luck? I did catch that. 
<laughs> but uh, I like that Marin then says, Cal says, was that for luck? And Marin says, no, that was for me. <laughs> 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 Thank goodness for that. They would have a lot of explaining to do to get around that loophole. Yeah. <laughs> That's the but, big plot twist um, with the third one, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Strong, but still, like, doesn't Yeah, because Seer puts a hurting on him in that fight. She goes down, but she doesn't go down easy. Um, which I think they kind of had to do to make you feel powerful playing that moment, right? Like, you don't want to jump in and play that and just totally get wrecked. But, um, so it was kind of satisfying to put up a good fight, but then, you know, not, uh, still keep it realistic that, you know, Vader is still going to do what he needs to do. Yeah, we're, we're like a minute over time. We'll take uh, one last question. And then we'll be up afterwards to talk, too, so. Yes. Yes, it, it wasn't clear because we only saw him in holograms. Maybe, maybe. I mean, they certainly could because they never confirmed in the first game that he was dead. But uh, there's plenty of knife twisting to go around in this game. So, yeah, maybe they just wanted to dig it a little deeper. Um, but anyway, thank you guys so much for coming. Here's where you can find uh, our podcasts and find us online. But, yeah, we'll be up here for a couple more minutes. We've got, got uh, business, business cards, cards for our podcast if you guys want to listen to more of us talking Star Wars. And any Cal Kestis costumes still left? We'd love to get a picture of you guys. Oh, yes, we've got one guy over here. Oh, two guys.